Hi, this is Mark Laming, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Jason, let you get clean clear with that one. I did. You probably didn't um, want to risk not breathing in a few minutes. That's what it is. <laughs> so you jump in and be like, for the next five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Not worth it, man. Not worth it. Not worth to step on the dap. No. Oh, Nobody puts dap in a corner. Oh, everybody. Nobody don't. It's so silly. It's not even true. Yard. And you know how I know it's true? Because how many people did that when you were asking for recordings at the Comic Conference? Did what? Or you say, oh, it's because it's love. How many people did how what? Many people, how many people were who when you asked them for bumper? Two. No! <laughs> okay. You take that as a personal affront that someone woohooed? That's like stealing your, th- your thunder? Is that what that is? No one can replicate the woohoo to, to your specifications. It's impossible. Oh. You're the only one who does even, it. And even when I do, you have me go again at times. So it's, it's, well, that's, it's, I'm, it's, that's because you no. want that quality. I do want that quality. Exactly. So I have, yes, no, I, I completely, I actually, no, it, it's not, it's not an affront. It, it's, I, it's, it, is endearing the right word? It, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not <laughs> going to say it's, it's cute. I'm not going to, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered that it's, it's something that, um, Someone would want to do when they're introducing themselves. Right. Well, if they didn't know and love you, they would have no idea what the woohoo was. So I would take it as a compliment. That's You're right. Yeah. It's good looking out. Always looking out for you. Uh, Here we go. That's it. Smartest guy in the room. Good duck. Hey, everybody. It's 11 11 o'clock comics. Like I said, I got all kinds of congestion. I'm all fucked up. Must, right. must have your ear congestion too. Eleven, yeah, o'clock, yeah. eleven o'clock comics. Happy New Year! Yeah, really. All right, uh, eleven o'clock comics. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. Uh, hey, people! It's eleven o'clock comics, episode four hundred and fifty-three. Yes, and I am Vince B. Oh shit! You are Vince B, and I am David A. Price. Yes, you are, and straight from Aussie, I'm Kangaroo Man. <laughs> sad, sad state of affairs. You're not Kangaroo Man. You are Jason. That's just like him now. Okay, you are Jason Wood in the house on this our special end of the year episode. <laughs> yep. Say goodbye to 2016. Thankfully, get the hell out of here. Yeah, we we do down the fucking stairs. Yes, we don't want you anymore. As if we had a choice. But if we did, you'd be gone. So, Eddie. what up, gentlemen? How y'all doing? I'm doing well. I'm all jacked. Yeah. Yeah. I had to shovel the sidewalk because the snow was too heavy for the snowblower. Nice. Yeah, and I'm like I'm like Kyle Holtz in the house. I'm all, <laughs> Doug, yeah. I'm all buff. <laughs> I can crush puny humans. I would but, crush you. You're like a bug. That's awesome. And you know what? We had quite the week, right? We had some Christmas. We yeah, we had some, some Chanukah. Yep. Some, some anniversary on the DAP side of things. We did. It's true. It's true. Amazing. 
Never oh, seen, never seen pe- two people more in love. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes you want to vomit. With joy, yeah, I got, uh, I get, I get, uh, I get the, the I get the post Christmas depression. Do you really set in today? That's yeah. messed up. Oh. Are you kidding me? Really? Oh, wow. Good thing you never gave birth. Oh, I have the postpartum for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. rough. Postpartum's rough. I've seen it. You've seen it. Mm-hmm. Seen it in oh, action. Uh, with the first one, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. And then second and third, she was like, "Fuck it, I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> but you know who does care? I do. I Discount Comic Book Service. They care about you because they want to give you the absolute lowest prices on your favorite funny books and collectibles. DCBService.com. One more time. Somebody say it. DCBService.com. Oh, so professional. DCBService.com will get you rock bottom prices on everything in the previous catalog, such as the spotlight specials for this month are from Marvel. We got Rob Liefeld. Drawing his little baby Deadpool in a OGN called Bad Blood. It's a parental advisory book. Woo! And a hardcover. List price on this sucker is $24.99. Your price? $12.49. Boys pants. Bargain. Yep. Uh, from DC, it's the Flintstones. Writer Mark Russell, artist Steve Pugh, collects issues one to six. Of the Brand Spankin' New Series. It's amazing, and uh, you can have it for $8.49. Again, 50% off. And last but certainly not least, a team-up between DC and Boom. This is Planet of the Ape Green Lantern, number one. Yes, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Barnaby Begenda. I cannot wait for this sucker. Uh, and the lantern in question is Hal Jordan. I have, uh, so, woo, woo. I have decided to wait for the collection. Oh no, really? Yeah, I may if if I can if if I can buy the digital versions from from because um, I know IDW does the. I'm sorry, this is Boom. Um, yeah, if I can buy the digital versions with the cover of my choice, mm-hmm. yes. And 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 I don't want to bogart the. The sponsor spot, but I, yes, the covers are not representative of, of what's inside and, and don't judge it by its cover, blah, blah, blah. I get all of that. I want to read the story. I want to enjoy the story, but there was just something, A, I mean, never mind the fact that I'm, I'm not a big fan of the cover artist, but it, it is a very ugly cover. And that's the thing I'm going to have to look at whenever I put the book down. So it's, it, I'm going against my usual rule. If, if that cover that I wanted isn't, was it go for twenty bucks? That's the one I buy. But I'm going to wait and hopefully it'll either have a dust jacket or it'll have a different uh. cover when the collective, just so I can either take it off or have something to cover it. If um, you shut your filthy mouth about the dust jackets, you I, throw, I just love you, them. Yes, but what? What hypothetical situation? What if the trade does arrive and it has the cover of the first issue as the cover of the trade? What are you going to do then? I don't. I You're never going to read it? Silliness. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Wow. I admire your – you're a man of principle. Really. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. I'm not. I'd be like, I don't care. I would just, no, buy, I, I would just I'll, buy it. I'll, it. It would – it's – yes, it's Hal Jordan. You love the Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. I, I, 
I love that old school Howard Jordan hokiness. So it's this is a, and I'm not saying that that's what this is. That's not that version of Green Lantern in the series, but um, you know, it's one of those moments where just like with Star Trek and Planet of the Apes, there were things that both of us could enjoy, and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading this, especially with the Barnaby art. But um, <sighs> yeah, I just it it it, it kills me that, that stand your ground. Nobody's going to fault you for that. Yeah, but I still, uh, I'll, 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 I'll live vicariously through you. Sure. How about this? I'll get the digital version, strip out the cover, make I a PDF, know. and give it to you. Because yeah. I know how to Sorry. do. I know how to do just, that. Just like the old strip days from the newsstand. That's great. Yes. Ah, right. uh, cover price <laughs> three ninety nine. Your price one dollar ninety nine cents. Fifty percent off DCBService.com. Do not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all delivered, all safe and sound, right to your very door. It could not be any easier. DCBService.com, the absolute best, bar none. It's true. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen, let's. Uh, we got some uh, some drinkages, some thank yous. Many drinkages, yes. It is New Year. It's our New Year's episode. I know. I know. So I was going to do it up in style. Nice. What you got? The uh, I'm going big style. Big, big Willie style here. Wumba. Yes. I am drinking. I'm two-fisting it. I got Hetty Topper. Okay. Al- what? No, no, no. When, when someone says Hetty Topper, you just don't say, okay. okay. This, this, I don't know. This is, this is the... I don't want to say Cadillac. What's a better car than a Cadillac? Uh, a Porsche? Maserati? This is the Maserati of beer. Hetty Topper's awesome. And apparently, from what I've been told, it's tough to get. Like, I got the, uh, a couple cans as a gift. Not a case. I got a couple cans. So, it's it's rough. So, I got some Hetty Topper, uh, the Alchemist, Vermont. And I also have a Hop Ranch. Saddle on up, and we'll ride down to the Hop Branch from Victory Brewing. It's an Imperial India Pale Ale. So I'm doing it up in style. You Be- are. I am, because, you know, end of the year episode, why not? It's true, and you're you're going to have more than two beers tonight, right? I have actually here four. Oh, nice. Okay. And these are the, uh, these sound like they're the high alcohol content beers. Uh, the Heady Topper is 8%. Not bad. Dang. It's good. Yeah, it's not bad. And the um, the Hop Ranch is, uh, they don't want you to know. Oh, shoot. Well, if they do want you to know, I can't find it. Victory Beer, da, 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 according to the Surgeon General, if you're pregnant and shit, you shouldn't drink this. I don't oh, know. No. Oh, wait. I think I found it. Uh-huh. 9%. On the head, on the hop ranch. They okay. have, it, but it's on tiny white type against mm-hmm. a, uh, photo background, so it's almost invisible. Mm-hmm. But my laser eye caught it. Nice. So yeah. Nice. Nine and eight. Not, not so shabby. Not so shabby. Not at bad all. at all. No. What you drink, Jason? Well, last weekend, um, uh, as part of the start of the holidays, my lady and a bunch of the other ladies from around the way decided to run. Well, first of all, they got regaled in crazy Christmas gear, and then they ran a 5K, 
where they ended up at uh, a local craft beer brewery that we have in, in the area. It's, it's called Ramstein. That's Mike Ramstein. Ramstein. And so, uh, like all dutiful husbands, rather than run a 5.5K, I, along with a bunch of the other hubbies, met them at the brewery and ended up turning to a pre-holiday bar crawl. But this brewery is awesome, and uh, I was in particularly enjoying one 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 new beer that they have called Ink, so named because it's a black lager. Wow. It is almost pure black, but it's not like Guinness. It's it's more like a lager. It's 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 you know it's it's a like a smoother, lighter um, beer, and just loved it. And so, as it turns out, they have these kick-ass glass and metal Rammstein. Um, like like jugs, and that you can uh, you can buy like a growler. You can buy like a growler, but like in a nice form of bottle, and uh, and bring it home with you. And then when you anytime you want, you go back and get it refilled. So Ooh. I uh, I am drinking the Ink Lager, um, and loving every sip of it. And I have maybe looks like maybe another two mugs worth. So let's say three pints worth to go here before it runs out. So. I'll probably you. have to switch to something else before the show's over, but uh, yeah, it's really good. Just, I wish I. It's hard. I don't think it's widely available. They're they're kind of a upstart. I know they're in Long Island, Manhattan, Jersey, some parts of Connecticut, but I don't think they're uh, much anywhere else. So cool. Just saying, you can run a five k, no sweat. No, it's not that I can't. It's that I didn't want to. No, okay, because you know it's only three miles. You could do it. No, it's, again, it's not about can. It's about wanting to. Right. Desire. It's all about the desire, yes. which you did not have. <laughs> not not at present, no. <laughs> uh, if I was in a in a 5K and your wife was running it, I would run it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just And you know what? I would, I'm not saying I would lag back I con- conveniently behind her. Yes, you're saying. That's where I'm going. Right. Yeah, that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Shit. <laughs> I just gave you a compliment. I'm a freak. How does that work? Are you talking about my wife behind? She's beautiful. I appreciate that. She's a little angel, yeah. Appreciate you. And I am the devil. So, Dap, what are you drinking? Oh, good lord. Um, I was. See, y'all are drinking beer, man. I was gonna. I was gonna actually have some new bourbon tonight, but I didn't know if Jason was gonna. Have the beer that he mentioned to us a while ago, or if he was going to have some grapes. So I'm having grape. Um, you do you. It, it is, uh, well, it's almost empty. So I might have to go get some more. I was going to have the, the bear, the backbone, um, from Motto, but instead this is Milestone. This is their red blend. It says sweet, smooth, and full bodied. It's, um, it, uh, is actually, Real easy to drink, so which explains why it's mostly going right now. Um, earlier this evening, I had some scotch with dinner, and I was th- if I, if I liked it enough, I was going to bring it up here. A because of Jason's background, and because Vince really enjoyed scotch when we were at Jason's house, so I was mm-hmm. going to try to have that whole meta thing going on, but it's a little bit too much to um to kind of just keep filling your glass with it it's there's some smoke in there uh there's there's definitely 
Pete, there is some fire in it. There's, there's, because Renee had a sip and it was like clear to sign this is out right quick. Uh, so, um, that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> so there was, there was that. Um, but I was going to have some bourbon actually that, that the minion gave me for Christmas, but I will probably save that for our first episode of 2017. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. With that out of the way, let's talk the comics, right? Yeah, you want? I do. I do. I, I can anticipate. Oh, sorry. Little bit. Sorry. We didn't do, we didn't do any thanks. Oh, we have thanks? We do. Then let them roll. Uh, I well, first of all, shout out to uh, one of our newest Facebook friends, uh, Craig Yo. Yes, who I believe is a listener to the show as well as a wonderful uh, creator. And uh, my the CEO of my firm gave me a birth, belated birthday present today, and it was the Super Weird Heroes hardcover, uh, written uh, by Mr. Craig Yo, collected by not written. I mean, he, he collected it. I guess he, I guess he wrote it right. I don't know how you. I mean, he read stories, but he, he, he curated he, he, he it. He edited it, right? He, curated, he yeah. created it. Um, so much love there. Um, I have to give Bean a huge shout out, um, but it's a sad, it's a sad story, as you guys already know. Um, I received in the mail a Manila envelope from the USPS, and inside of it were a few remnants of a cardboard package, uh, along with my address and a letter from the USPS saying that uh, they found these remnants in their system with no package. And um, I can only assume that, and then there was a card in there, and it was from Bean. And uh, it, it, from the looks of it, Bean was kind enough to make me one of his awesome little painted figures of Deadpool. Um, but uh, it got lost. It, uh, USPS somehow destroyed it on transit. So much, much love for the for the sentiment. I just wanted him to not think I didn't get it or didn't appreciate it, even though it... Uh, the damn postal service done jacked it up. So yeah, I didn't know, my mail, I didn't know my mail carrier transferred. Yeah, right. Wouldn't you rather not know? Like I find that envelope when it comes and says, "Hey, this is what you would have had had we not screwed up." I would just, you know what? Don't even tell me. I would rather pretend that it's in the hands of someone. I, mean, I kind of have to though, because if someone, the person who sent it to you, if it may not have been a gift, but if it right. was something that they were expecting to get your reply on, yeah. and they're, you know, yeah. it's six weeks later, and they're like, so did you get it? And, you know, it was your grandfather's ashes. It's like, dude. So, you know, <laughs> imagine that little baggie comes to your house. It's <laughs> all that's left. <laughs> stupid idiot, you know, sent your porcelain urn, but yeah, so. Yeah. And then um, uh, funny. I have a, a shout out to uh, Hassan, who was super kind enough to hook uh, me up, as I know you guys thanked him last week. Uh, he gave me a copy of Jean-Claude Forrest's Barbarella. By humanoids. So jealous, so jealous. Uh, translated to the English uh, by Miss uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick. So uh, love, love you, Hassan. Much appreciated, and uh, we'll be talking about that in a moment here. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. <coughs> now, see, you know him as Craig Yo, but readers of Haunted Horror also know him as Forlock the Warlock. Of course, yes, because of his fancy schmancy hairdo he's got going on there. Hair did. Yeah, I know. I used to work with a guy that worked for Craig Yo. Yeah, really? Yes. Yeah, I should talk to Craig about that. We have a common uh, commonality between us, so maybe that will open the door to get his ass on here. Mm-hmm. I would love that. Uh, Dap, do you have thank yous or no? I have a thank you to Bean. Um, 
out of the blue, I opened up the uh, the front door. There was a, a light box, a, a decent size box, but it was rather light. Uh, opened it up on Christmas and last year, two years ago. I don't think it was last year. Uh, Bean was kind enough to send me a one of his dollar store heroes, although in this case it wasn't a bird. It was a a dog and it was uh and he painted it up, gave it the uh the fork and it was Hunter Rose. So I got a Grendel dog and this weekend he uh I received a cat. It it kinda also looks a little bit like a fox, but between the painted on bandages and the cowl, oh. it's or the hood, he sent uh, an Epi Thatcher, which uh. looks absolutely amazing. And and I will post the photo. I didn't want to spoil it um, and post it early on Facebook, but um, I don't know what it was. I, I don't know why the post office just had it in for Jeff this year because the one of the fork, the fork was actually one of the tines was broken off. It was in the box. We were able, Renee and I were able to glue it back on. But it also bent the one remaining tine, so it almost looked like a skite, um, which looked kind of cool. But obviously, that's not what it's supposed to be. So um, we were able to bend it back. And while um, I had tweezers holding it in place, uh, my wife put some glue on it, and everything is is fine. Like I said, I'll, I'll post the photos yes, of it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's glue. It's glue, really. Um, no black light. So there's. Uh, <laughs> There's so so that looks absolutely amazing. Um, our boy Ray, he um, I opened up his gift on on Christmas, and there were some really cool. I mean, he he, it's safe to say he knows me. He sent me some T-shirts um, regarding the monkeys and the Beatles. Sent me a really awesome Beatles tote bag, which. Because of the photo of the young Fab Four, it almost looked like it, it. It looks like it could be a framed photo. It just it it's it doesn't it, it's not a shoddy look. It's not like someone just you know screen printed uh, a, a fuzzy photo of of the Beatles on on like a black fabric tote bag. This is it's it's a sharp looking tote. Uh, and he, I, I absolutely love this because I don't know. I haven't seen the movie in probably since I saw it in the theater the first time, but. I don't know what possessed him to do this, except for the fact that it's a show I watch every Monday. But my boy, he sent me, this is number 48,170 out of a limited edition of 50,000. It is the limited edition with both the director's cut and the international version of a little movie starring Faye Dunaway, Helen Slater, and Peter O'Toole. It is Supergirl. Wow. Nice. The I don't. I'm. I'll. I'll have to watch it before I go back to work because I just remember how the movie. It, it. 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 For me, it falls in in the realm of camp. But it is. I didn't know that they made a limited edition. I didn't know there was a director's cut of this. Was was, criterion. <laughs> I. I just. You know. I know that there's the 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 Donner cut for for the the student. So it's. I'm, I'm curious to see. Apparently the international version has, um, has some extra, uh, limited, uh, director's cut contains 24 minutes 
uh, of long lost and recently rediscovered footage. Uh, and the, um, yeah, that's, that's 138 minutes, but the, uh, the international version is something that I'm, I'm curious to see. So thank you very much for that, Ray. That, that, that's going to be something fun to watch. So yeah, so, um, I think, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a really, really good weekend. It was a good holiday. Awesome. I didn't get to see you guys, but yeah. No, but it, it's coming. It's coming. All right. All right. Okay, comics, yes? Oh, yes. All right. Um, All of them. I want to start off with a subject that's probably not going to be well-received with at least one of you, possibly two of you. Okay. You know what I want to talk about, right? I don't know. I want to talk about the IDW Hasbroverse. Oh, let's do it. Okay. And I want to just allow me to build it up a little bit, and then you can tear it down. Well, don't don't bury the. No, no, no. I'm just saying because we everybody he wants, to get every, he wants to get everything out before we start attacking. Yeah. So this way we. Yeah, know I'm just going to build up my nose. I'm building up my defenses. Well, you don't need to, you don't need right. To, yes. You don't need to set it up. Just go in, man. Well, no. I just, I just want to tell you why I think it's it's awesome. Okay? okay. Now, I, first of all, uh, I got the Revolution Prelude book in, in one of my boxes maybe two months ago, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't get around to reading it. Uh, flipped through it, and the art attracted me so much to the point that I said, okay, I'll give this a shot. I'll read it. Written by John Barber. Art by Fico Asio. And color art by Sebastian Chang. Now, this was a freebie. Um, what IDW is doing with this Revolution series, there is a six-issue miniseries that followed this and a bunch of one-shots, at least seven of them. Um, they're, they're grouping all of the Hasbro-based properties under one shared universe, which I think is an extremely smart uh, thing to do. We're given um, a little bit of backstory for those of us who have not been keeping up with the IDW Hasbro books. Um, Optimus Prime arrives back on Earth, and he offers to usher humanity into this um, uh, Council of Worlds, this cosmic community called the Council of Worlds. Uh, Earth Defense Command doesn't believe him, pushes back. There's a war. Prime summons Metroplex, and he's seen as a messiah. There's this new action man running around called Ian Noble. So you got your legacy thing going on with action man. Rom arrives in California, as I told you when I talked about Rom, and he begins to uncover this massive diorate infiltration of Earth. The Micronauts arrive on Earth. Um, Prime and the Autobots embark on a bunch of humanitarian missions. While keeping the Decepticons at bay, uh oh, you know, or 13, that stuff that is refined to make Energon is becoming unstable. And Scarlet gives the planet a few weeks before the ore becomes fissile and blows the planet all to hell. Scarlet and General Colton believe that Prime and the Autobots are perpetrating the dreadful events for unknown reasons. One of the Decepticons is now um, a G.I. Joe asset. Uh, from the looks of him, looks like uh, Skywarp. And mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, flip side, Miles Mayhem is brought in 
to disrupt Optimus Prime's plans. So you have Action Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Mask, Rom, Micronauts, all under one umbrella. Did I forget any? Um, and and the, the storylines are not... They're cross-pollinating to the point where in Rom, there are G.I. Joe characters. And um, that's what I want to talk about next real quick is Rom 5 and 6. I know, again, I'm in the minority... I think IDW is doing great things with ROM so far. Plot and script by Christos Gage and Chris uh, Rial. Illustrated by Paolo Villanelli. Color art by Alessandra Alexakis. There we go. Mm -hmm. Um, So the thing I was talking about is the Joes are in ROM. And it's it's Beachhead. Beachhead does not like the new status quo. Um. And He's you, not the only one. And you can pick out. I know. Thank you. You can you can you can pick out uh, nuggets of continuity from. Now these are the books that appeared post revolution. So I have no conception of what was in the revolution miniseries, and I don't really need to, because uh, like I said, they're bearing little tiny nuggets in all the books. Apparently, General Colton was impersonated by a dire wraith and killed by Rom. Uh, so his the Space Knight's relations with the Joes are strained at best. Megatron has come over to the light side and Prime vouches for him. So you got all these robots running around and the Joes are left to pick up the pieces. They are not happy. Uh, to the point where their beachhead is going to arm himself. He's going to stir up some shit, right? Um, and also we're led to believe that the Cybertronians have eliminated the dire wraith leaders. And the grunts are all running wild. But Rom sees the Cybertronians as careless and sloppy. Like, they're bringing their world to er- their war to Earth. They don't give a shit about the collateral damage, how many lives are lost. Uh, to Rom, the Transformers are as big a threat as the dire wraiths. This is cool beans, right? No, no. Um, Rom returns from the events of Revolution... To remember Camilla Byers, the the woman I told you who got um, infected by the wraiths, and that infection is starting to spread faster than Rom estimated. So he's going to do the old neutralizer thing and try and get some surgical precision in there and expunge the wraith presence from her system. It could work, or it can kill her. Oops. Um, the dire wraith gains prominence and starts attacking Rom, um, but Rom, being Rom is reluctant to kill a friend, so he's kind of holding back and, and, and maneuvering her and trying just to to squelch the situation, but he doesn't really have too much control over things because two new space knights enter the picture. There's a, a snake-like Orphean, who we're led to believe was Rom's superior officer, and Livia, a female space knight, whom Rom had a thing with. Awkward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in issue six, we learn that the wraiths can control multiple bodies at one time, which I find hard to believe, but it's done. Um, Grunt and Beachhead arm up to kill Rom. They're just going to say, screw it and take him out. Um, and the Space Knights bicker and fight over Camellia. Uh, but here's the thing. This, this new status quo of, of Rom, crossing over into G.I. Joe, crossing over into Mask. For for me, 
a person who gives zero shits about G.I. Joe unless mm-hmm. unless they're paired with the Transformers. In in the first issue of G.I. Joe, which you read, right? Yes. One of the Joes, Doc, the, the father of one of the Joes, another legacy thing, is experimenting with technology that can expose diarrhea. And Skywarp is part of the G.I. Joe team. Like, see, you've just won the battle. You just made me care about G.I. Joe in a way that... How many years has IDW been doing G.I. Joe? I I read it, like you guys. I mean, if you wanted to spend $100 or so to find out the whole Mass Driver thing, yeah, great. But they have just engaged me with, with one little tiny flourish of diarrhea technology in a G.I. Joe book. They have engaged me like they haven't in the five or whatever years they've been publishing G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm coming from on this. Now, I want to hear your take on it. Why? How could this not be a, a good thing? It's so funny because your what you decided as the thing that got you most excited is one of the things I was like... Get the fuck out of here. I don't want it with this mess. Really? Now, what? what? You don't want the dire rates in your... You oh, well, no, no, no. So, we haven't had... We've had an ongoing G.I. Joe book, like the Larry Hama thing, right? Which sort of continues from the Marvel. We've had the very... Obviously, the very super cool, but on its own, silly work the last few years. Definitely so on its own, this right. is IDW's foray. And look, it, it seems like G.I. Joe gets a reboot every couple of years. Yeah. And then they, they're always trying to strike gold, and I always give it a try because I, I love the property from when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, this is G.I. Joe number one. New artist, new writer, Aubrey Sitterson, Giannis. Uh, Milo, no Giannis. Milo, yeah, Milo, Milo Giannis, yeah. I love that name. Um, and, I, I mean, I just had so many issues with with, with the first issue. I. But the, the the number one issue, the number one nit I had was what you decided as you loved. I can't fathom that in the first issue of a relaunch of G.I. Joe, when a bunch of the classic Joes are battling a few souped-up robotic ninjas, that they got to have a fucking giant Decepticon jet come down and save their ass and, like, call in the big dog. like Air support. Nah, it, it, it completely neuters G.I. Joe. It makes it like, oh, we're a bunch of pluses. It's a good thing we got a, a Transformer here to save the day. Like, I don't, I, like, you want to bring the Transformer in? Bring it in like like you do with Voltron, where, you know, you're up against some fucking crazy, almost insurmountable task, and you need to call in that one big gun to help save your, help save the day or turn the tide. Not when you're fighting a couple of ninjas. I mean, I, like, Quick Kick should be able to take them out by himself. Snake Eyes shouldn't, I, like, they don't need a fucking... They were cybernetically and They don't need Starscream's cousin showing up uh, in the first issue to, Brother. to let us know that they're not up to the task. <laughs> so I, the, seekers I are, the Seekers are cousins. He did that. <laughs> All, um, right. All right. But the other issue, and I think where Dap and I are aligned here and, and you're not, is I, I thought Milo Giannis was very good in... in, in uh, Profit. Profit. Profit, yeah. Um, I just think... I, I think he's a fine artist. But he is just horribly ill-suited for a book like this. Mm. I thought it looked scratchy. It looked unfinished. Yep. Yep. It looked wonky. I think yep. the character designs were just so unimaginative. Every woman had just this basic random body armor suit on. 
didn't look anything like the classic characters. They had all the men look like the classic characters, except he insisted on drawing a couple of them with giant pot bellies like they're old and retired. I mean, gung-ho. Um, yeah, Be- uh, Beachhead had uh, pot belly, didn't he? Be- uh, shipwreck. Had the shipwreck, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, it, I just, the art just not feeling the art at all. I mean, half the time he didn't draw, he didn't draw facial features if they were like far enough into the background. Yeah. Um, well, that's a technique. I mean, that's, that's it's, a stylistic it's a technique. Um, <laughs> okay. So, um, <laughs> Jeez. Like, much love to Aubrey Sitterson in her little back matter. Him. Like, him. Or him? Oh, it's yeah. him? Oh, yeah. I thought it was a girl. Um, but when, when Aubrey's like, oh my gosh, this is the best comic ever and, and we've got the best art ever. I mean, I know he's got a big ups partner, but um, I need I need Milo to go back to drawing some some indie shit because uh, it ain't working on the license tip. Did I see the crown, uh, just, just, crown if you, jewel? The crown jewel. Of yeah, the crown jewel. Yeah, yeah. If you just give me just a second. See, I think mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a brilliant pairing because okay. obviously the Joe book has not connected in a major way. Since IDW got the franchise, it it sells, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sell big numbers because it looked. There's a look and a feel that people expect to a GI Joe book, and that's what IDW mm-hmm. gave. Now, we love Robert Atkins. He was, if you're going to put a guy on a GI Joe book who would draw a GI Joe tale in the manner by which GI Joe fans expect, mm-hmm. Atkins is the guy to get. Right, he he he's he's in the classic GI Joe mold, right? But this Milo Nogianis, he's a, he's a, like we said, he was on profit. He looks his stuff looks like it could it, it is. It's perfectly at home in Images Island anthology. He belongs in there. He he's mm-hmm. he's of the Brandon Peterson uh, cut from that same cloth, right? I think it's smart because they're trying something new. Why not? Like make you have a, a mainstream property that now has an indie edge to it, it that to me is a bonus. It's just not the bonus that you were looking for because again, you you're beholden to these characters. I really don't care either way. Sure, but and that's to, probably a big part of this. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. What the because it, it'd be the same thing if 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 Milo drew a James Bond comic. Then all of a sudden Vince would be like, holy shit, the spy tip is like the bomb, yo. And it's, yeah. like, it's, it's, no, but it's, that's, yes, but not, not the way it's presented here. I, I, I didn't know if, if rock and roll, if his arm was a diseased or if that was just a lazy way to do a tattoo. Uh, yeah, I, I think, know. I don't think, I think you're being a little harsh on that. I one. am, I am because I'm looking at that and it, but, but the backgrounds I find to be lazy. I don't, he's, he's taking guns. From profit and and trying to put them in a military book, it just it it wasn't. No, no that's Cybertronian technology. But it, uh, it there's, is. There's just uh, so I'm, that's the out. That that's the out. Then you can draw like this because it's not it it it's not the the Chuck Dixon Larry Hama GI Joe from back in the day. And that's and and, and well, that's fine. So we're evolving. It's the whole. It's the shared universe. And and no, didn't rock and roll say you know. You you know here pick some tech and he's just like no, I don't want that that cyber crap just give me a good old fashioned like gun was that in this book or was it in a different book I don't know if it was in either because I I didn't finish reading GI Joe oh you crapped out I, I had yes it, it I wow I wanted I to like I that. tried no I I tried I really did okay. um, so I, I I flipped through it I so, so I could at least. See, because I, I saw the dreadnoughts at the end, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's not what I was expecting either." But it's it's just I 
you guys read it? I'm like, listen, all right, so we can talk about it. And I was just like, I, I, I don't, I, no, I don't. I mean, I remember years ago when, when they relaunched GI Joe and we were talking about that and then the whole chuckles thing. And I mean, and it was, it wasn't, I thought because of, of the stories they were telling, I thought Robert Atkins was, was a fine choice for, for those books and mm-hmm. it, it, it fit with the stories that, that Dixon and company were telling. Um, but I, I don't know what is going on. And it's, it's cool that, you know, it's, it, if this is going to get Vince to read some GI Joe and because of the whole tie in connection. So it's, it's, it's basically just another book that he's already reading Rom. You're already reading, um, I'm not reading Micronauts. No, no, I, I tapped out on Micronauts too. Yeah. I'm reading, um, I'm reading Rom. I'm reading all the Transformers books. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I'll give Mask a go because, you know, I, I thought it would make Jason happy that I read Mask. I didn't dislike it. No, and I did. Between the two, I I enjoyed Mask more. I, I mean, the art was the art was a lot cleaner. The art was it. it I felt it was fitting for the story, but the, as far as the story itself goes, that left me that left me wanting. I, I don't know it. The whole, you know, we'll we'll uh, paraphrase. We're gonna clear your dad and and his name, and we're gonna go back and, and make sure that. Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll take revenge on, on Mayhem. And I, I just thought I was, after reading Revolution, the prelude, the zero issue, I was like, I was really. It's gorgeous. It, 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 A, it, and it, it, I knew nothing about the whole idea of the shared universe. So the fact that mm. they just brought everything up to date with the whole action man and, and, and general Joe Colton, it's like, you know, well, they retired me. And then, and I thought that that first page was so cool when Homeboy's like, yeah, they, they put me behind a desk and I had to shave because General Hawk and his secret team had to, and I was just like, that's, cause that, the secret team, that's, that's my joy. That, that's when I was reading G.I. Joe. That's so cool. So I just thought that that zero issue told me everything I needed to know, got me up to speed. I was like, all right, this is cool. I, I can look forward to this now. I'll, I'll check out, even though I tapped that on ROM, I tapped that on Micronauts. Let me see mm-hmm. how everything ties in and I'll, I'll give it a go. But then the next thing I read, because that's what, we decided to talk about this week. One of the things was, was that GI Joe and that mask. I was just like, where did I, I don't, the recap pages for both GI Joe and mask had nothing to do with that revolution zero issue. I just read and I'm like, now I'm, and now I'm lost again. So, uh, yeah, I think some of those events were in the, uh, revolution miniseries that we didn't, right. re- that we didn't read. No, because I mean, I'm, I'm looking at uh, comic book DB and stuff and it's like, you know, everything was a one shot. There was a ROM tie in one shot and a mask. So I'm like, yeah, so there was obviously, these are all the GI Joe and the mask issues that we read were post revolution. Right. So if I want to find yeah. out what the hell happened between the zero and this, now we got to read revolution. Yeah. Revolution stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which I might, I, I probably will. Ah, so right. I think you should give ROM another try because it's very good. Mm hmm. That doesn't sound like you're going to read it. It doesn't sound like it at all. It's just like, okay, go away. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say that uh, before we move away from Mask, you know, um, massive Mask fan. Mm-hmm. So much so did a two-hour podcast talking about the Mask uh, lore with Sean Pryor a number of years ago, fellow Mask and Nut. Um, so super stoked when they said that they were going to start making a Mask comic. It's been a long time since you've had anything new Mask. Um, total disaster. Total disaster. I, Why? Uh, I, Why is that? I agree that the art was 
more appropriate, but I also think the art was also more conventionally boring. It was just when you think of licensed property art, this is what yeah. you get. Um, no massive flaws per se, but nothing dynamic. Um, just, just the whole thing, just really disappointing. I, 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 um, I, I just thought that the, the, the whole setup was just a mess. I, I didn't really, I don't know. I just, it seemed there was very little focus on the, on the coolness of the vehicles artistically or, I mean, um, I, I just, I don't know. It just didn't seem like it was anything that really grabbed me or, Made me care. Um, I don't really like the idea of Matt Tracker being a young kid um, trying to find his way. Um, That's funny. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll try. I keep going for a, a for a an issue or two because I I do have such love for the '80s property, but but uh, not a hot start. I, I got to say, I mean, IDW is arguably the best that there is at creating amazing archival work. Um. I'm a proud owner of so much of what they put out on that side of things, but when it comes to to like ongoing stuff, particularly license, I, I think, I mean, I, I think they're they're devils do 2.0. I just don't think they're very good at it. Um, I think they have, so, except for the Transformers, I don't know how they managed to get great artists for the Transformers. They somehow managed to supersede with the Transformers. Um, Better than Dreamwave. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't know why they're able to get artists for that, um, but not other things. But yeah, but uh, just not feeling it otherwise, man. I don't know. That that saddens me. What are we gonna do? Yeah, but again, I mean, I, I didn't I, listen. I, I I didn't go into it expecting. I mean, I wasn't like crestfallen over it. I didn't, I didn't come in saying like, "Oh, it's gonna be the best thing ever." Um, I came into the high degree of skepticism just because it's IDW. But um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I. Uh, I just didn't find myself caring at all. Sorry. No, nothing to be sorry about. It just it is what it is, man. Sometimes comics don't float your boat, you know. Right. Maybe it's people like me that are the target audience for this new status quo. Mm-hmm. Because, like I, like like I said, mask total blank spot for me. Mm-hmm. But I found this issue to be fun. Um, okay. I don't care enough about the characters yet, but I, you know, the, the plight of of Tracker. Is intriguing and and Miles Mayhem is is cut from the same you know Baron Karza um, Megatron mold where yeah. he's he's an an intriguing villain. Does he need to put the helmet on to get bad? <laughs> because I mean he's a jerk without the helmet, but once he puts the helmet on, he gets all like like a douchebag. Yeah, so it's the helmet, right? Does the helmet do anything to him other than just look cool? In the in the cartoon, they made it out to be that the helmet drove him mad, but. Oh. Again, I don't know if that's what they're doing here or not. Because there's some hard light stuff going on with the the mask characters and the, and their helmets, but his mask doesn't do anything funky like that. I I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but no, I mean, I thought it mm-hmm. was enjoyable. I like um, Gloria a lot just because she's pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one sequence when she's schmoozing with the guy to get information. I mean, she's a cutie. You know, mm-hmm. but is that enough to keep me reading? I, it's me, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, um, one yay, one nay, and one we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Tommy Lee Edwards cooking up some great covers. Yeah, and he, he was waxing nostalgically about yeah. the, about the about the line and how much he loves the line. Which yeah. Is cool and all, but 
about watching the cartoon with the playing with the toys with his brother. Yeah. Did we um, put forth the creative team on Mask? It was written by Brandon Easton, art by Tony Vargas, and color art by Jordi Esquin. So there you mm-hmm. go. Check it out or not. Um, you'll either love it or hate it, depending on your history with these these properties. But um, they're there for you if you want to investigate. Look into That's it. That's true. Yeah. Now, Jason, uh, I want to hear about this Barbarella. Um, yeah, cool. So, um, Humanoid does phenomenal work. Yep. Uh, Humanoids, rather. Um, and this is no exception. So, this is, as I mentioned earlier, a gift from Hassan. Um, it is a hardcover recollection of the French Bande dessinée work, um, by uh, Jean-Claude Forrest. Uh, which I believe was, yeah, it was put out in 1966. Yes. Now, the name Barbarella may evoke a bit of memory to old heads like us in the form of Jane Fonda um, made a movie on this subject uh, when Jane Fonda was not in an old lady, but uh, arguably the hottest movie star in, and hottie in, in, the, in the world. Oh, that zero G um, scene in the beginning. Yep. Yeah. So this uh, is very much a product of the time. You know, it was a it was free love and psychedelic, and um, that's what this story was about. This was this was Jean Claude Forrest trying to tell a campy, uh, overly sexualized space adventure uh, set in a time period where free love and psychedelics and psychotropic drugs and all those sort of things were commonplace and very much part of the pop culture. Um, the art is the, is the champ champion here. Um, you know, the work is translated, as I said, by Kelly Sudeconic. Um, but just understand that you're not, you're not buying this book because you're going to read groundbreaking, uh, groundbreaking narrative. Um, it's a, it's a one, it's a collection of loose adventures of Barbarella, who's a spacefaring, um, human, uh, scantily clad human who goes on space adventures, like a Buck Rogers only with, with breasts. Um, and that's really what it is. It's just her going from tail to tail and, and getting involved in dangerous situation after dangerous situation. Um, amazing, you know, Jean-Claude draws an amazingly beautiful, uh, human form. Um, Barbarella is unabashedly sexual. She mm-hmm. pretty much ends up in bed with every person she meets. Um, it is not a graphic book, though. Um, there's a few mild nudity scenes, like breasts, but there's, you know, they don't, no full frontal, no, no, no lewd sex acts. I mean, they do, there's, there's, you know, uh, overtly that they're having sex, but they don't show it. Um, like, at least not, you know, so it's not, it's like not an erotica book. But she is very, uh, very sexually liberated, I guess you could say. And, uh, she kind of flits about the universe, getting into crazy adventures. Um, and this, uh, this collects them. I, I don't know if it collects all of it. I think it does. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the entirety of the Barbarella, uh, Bond SNA work, but, um, either way, it's just a trip. I mean, it's, it's, it's part art book, um, you know, and, and it's, it's just a part, a part tribute to the pop culture of the time, the mid sixties, which, uh, predates, I, I mean, it doesn't, I, does it, I guess it, does it not predate you to Vince? You were born in the mid-60s, right? I was born in 65, my friend. So there you go. So this book does not predate you. 
but <laughs> uh, you certainly don't remember. You were not a child of the 60s. No, but I, I did read some of this stuff in my younger days. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the collection's awesome. Like, it's it's a hardcover with beautiful spot varnish uh, uh, illustration on the front. It's got a, uh, a, a pink ribbon, um, you know, placeholder, which I love. Um, so just a top-notch quality book. And, uh, you know, again, if you're a fan of pin, even if you don't read any of the, the dialogue, frankly, if you don't feel like it, um, and are just a fan of beautiful pinup work, this book would stand on its own as a coffee table book in that regard. So really no, no way to lose here. I mean, um, yeah. you can see why Jane Fonda wanted to portray this character and you can see why I think, uh, Pam Anderson was trying to do, uh, trying to do Barbarella as a remake as well. Oh God, no. No. no, I don't think it ever happened. No, this was a long time ago when she was in her heyday. Yeah, right. She wanted to remake it. I don't think it ever happened, but um, if it did, I apologize. But I, I seem to remember one thing to do it, but it never happened. It, it, it's not gratuitous because even there, there are scenes, there are panels where Barbarella's either has her hands up or, or she's yeah. firing a gun. And even, I mean, there's still her, her breasts are out, but they're still covered. So it's not like every yeah. chance he got, he was drawing a tit and you're putting it in your face. It was... Uh, <laughs> And it's nothing wrong with that. But, no, that's right. This is uh, not this is not Paul, this is not Serpieri. This is not right. no, 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 no. It's not, it's not, not Druna. It's not uh, right. It's not, and it's not. Um, it's, it's R rated. It's R rated. Yeah. yeah, I just have one criticism of this mm-hmm. because it's a it's a it's a, a translation from the French. Right. The point size of the text is much too small. There's way too much yeah. white, way too much true. white space. I'm guessing know? is because of the translation. Right, but right. They still could have upped the. You're right. They could have upped the font a bit. They, they could have increased the size on that. Yeah, there's too much white space in the balloons, and then you'll encounter one where there's not enough white space. So there's no balance. There's no happy medium between. Like they use this. It looks to me like they look use the same point size for all of the type, which. You know, they could have jacked it up a little bit on one page and or, or and and reduced it on the one panels that where there was a lot of text. It's just like, like I said, there's too much white space in the balloons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's a um, and it's it's basically um, it's a black and white book with 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 blue tones, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's black and white for the most part. Yeah, one color, right. classy. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have the Barbarella movie and the count, we would never have Duran Duran. Agreed. Yeah, so I think it's a good trade off. We got the, the, the glory of Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. But I, I love the movie. The movie's great. Classic movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the movie's like, again, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's a sight to behold. Sure. I don't know that it's a great film. Oh, stretch, it's, a, but. it's a gorgeous looking film. Mm hmm. Uh, the design is impeccable. Uh, Jane Fonda has never looked better than Barbara. Yes, I'll give you that. Yeah, uh, especially in the opening scene. But it's just that the legacy of that movie, if you didn't have Barbarella, you would never have movies like The Fifth Element, where, where design right. is, is preeminent in the right. film. I just, a, it's a, Roger Vadim did a great, great job on that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I gotta get this. Yeah, you do. You better thank your uh, person that uh, bestowed this upon you because this is a great gift, buddy. Oh, uh, was well, dude, Austin's the man. He is. He is. I got something else that uh, if we have time, I want to talk about that he uh, gave me. If we have time, what do you? I, what do you have? 
What? What do you have? What's the other one? No, no, no. Stop. Oh, you're going to switch it up? Do it all at once. Switch it up. David, what do you want to talk about, buddy? Oh, what do I want to talk about? Um, <laughs> why are you laughing? Though? I know what we could talk about. What? It's, again, it's going to be a he said, she said, back and forth thing on this. Oh, my God, dude. That's, yeah, let's, we, we won't go there yet. Okay. Um, I, some of my things kind of all tie in together, though, because there's that one character, and then there's, uh, there's a writer. So it's, um, <laughs> You know what? I will. Vegas possible oh, man. Because right. <laughs> like it's a comic with pictures and words. And, Somebody and wrote words. it. Somebody and, and, wrote and this thing. By people. Uh, no, I'm saying that if we talk about one, I'm saying there's there's some. I have a connecting thread. Is, is well, why don't you connect them? No, well, because first I will. Um... All right, so we'll tag team on on Batman number thirteen. Excellent choice. Batman number 13, I Am Suicide, Part 5, written by Tom King, illustrated by Mikkel Yenin, and color art by June Chung. This is it. This is the, the, uh, the last chapter of I Am Suicide. Yes. Because uh, I believe the next chapter is I Am Bane. But, uh, again, with the whole freaky design sense, uh, Mikkel is just a beast. But we, um, depending on how you had your bets placed and, mm-hmm. and uh, whether or not, you know, you agreed with us in saying that, you know, this is all part of a bigger plan. Uh, it, it played out perfectly because all the beats were there when uh, every, every page was laid out to, to, to set the story up. And when every chapter finished, you were left wanting more and wondering where it was going to go from there. So, so the pacing was, was, pretty much spot on and uh the way everything was you know if i were to reread these five chapters i don't think mm-hmm. at any point would would one of them like would chapter two or three feel oh, that's a little padded i think you know he was trying to get here so he kind of laid some things out a little extra long no everything is kind of just right where it belongs and and mm-hmm. uh, i really i i think these two are a fantastic team. I, I think Tom and Mikhail do wonderful work together. I thought that along with Tim Seeley, I thought they did great things on Grayson. Um, and again, it's a little different than his Grayson stuff. Yeah. But, uh, Mikhail's at least, but it's, um, but it, it's just, it's, you know, he's Batman and there's no, he's always three steps ahead of you and and it doesn't matter what he has to go through what he has to put himself through what you have to do to him the end game is always there and and uh, hell or high water if if he has to kill himself to make sure that plan comes to fruition it's it's going to happen so so you can't doubt him it, it is a it's Tom's Batman is quite different than the other two Batman's Batman that I read mm-hmm. this week as well with the other two Batman books that came out. Um, but, uh, like Vince said, it's part five. We, um, uh, Amanda Waller seems to have some serious problems controlling her weight mm-hmm. because from one comic, I know she is not the waif that she was when the new 52 started. Uh, obviously some Suicide Squad came out there. They, they, they change your look somewhat, but, uh, there's just, um, there's an Amanda Wall appearance in this where, where she kind of has a little chat with Alfred, but the but, bulk of the issue. Wait, wait, wait. She has a chat with Alfred where? 
in the freaking Batcave. In the Batcave, yo. Yeah, the woman has balls. She just walks right oh, wow. in. She just walks right in the Batcave like, 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 yo, Alfred. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was not trying to startle you. I don't like to sneak up on people unnecessarily, but, you know, it, it, and, you may not have heard, but I'm Amanda Waller. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, but and, Alfred and, holds his ground, though. Oh, yeah. He's like, you know, yeah, if the boss like, was here, you'd be <laughs> fucked. She's just like, and, and then she's, um, <laughs> but she knows she's, she's not the female Batman. She, she, this, this, these two pages reminded me of the Amanda Waller from John Ostrander's Suicide. Oh, Squad. definitely. This was yeah, just yeah. because she, I mean, that, that, that damn cover by, by Jerry Bingham where, where she is back to Batman up against the wall, got her finger in his face. And yeah. that's, that's the Amanda Waller I always think of when I hear the name. It, it, it's not, the one from Arrow, or, or like I said, the the, the thin chick from the earlier New Fifty Two. But we, um, she's she's telling Alfred basically what Bruce was doing while he's been away, and and she's like, she she lost contact, and and then she's just like, you know, damn my, damn my incompetence. When will I ever learn? And she's just she's setting the whole thing up, and and. She's being Alfred, facetious when she says that. She is that. absolutely, yeah. and, and he is just, man. I, she, she, she deserves to be slugged. Is what ha- is is what mm-hmm. is really going on. But, no, but I really like this. I, I like the part in the Suicide Squad movie where she kills the um, the people working for her in the high rise. Yeah, yep. that that she she is a stone cold, cold blooded. Mm-hmm. Like she will do anything to achieve her goal. I and I, I don't respect that. Mm-hmm. Because she kills people, right. but I like this characterization of Amanda Waller, and this this right. just yes. this just backs up what went on in the movie, which is smart. She's a because, woman of her convictions, yeah. Um, and then you get the obligatory footnote, editor's note, because you can read about this more in Justice League versus Suicide Squad, which I'm sure people will tell me about. But we're back yeah. at the island. I read the and, first two. Yeah, any good? I didn't think okay. so. Okay, so yeah. um, the. Uh, Picking up where we last left off, when um, Catwoman told Bane Batman's plan, and Batman is um, when when uh, Batman's writing when, when we're reading his letter to her, uh, and 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 again, this is all just setting up to this confrontation with Bane. Batman and Bane are fighting while. Uh, Psycho Pirate and Catwoman are watching from uh, Bane's throne, and he, um, while all of this is going on, Catwoman is asking uh, Batman if it, now do I do it now? Yeah, it's like not yet, not yet. We're we're he's while he's getting the crab beat out of him by Bane, she's asking him. If it's time, Batman says not yet. Finally, he says, "Go ahead and break him," and she hits him with his, her whip. Mm-hmm. And while all of that's happening, oh, and she she kicks, she breaks his back. She does. She kicks him. In, yes. Yeah. yeah. She hits him in, the, and then yeah, her 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 heel right goes to the. Uh, the, the no, when I read the, that, I'm like, I didn't. At first, I didn't like it because. Batman continually through this entire arc, I'm going to break your damn back. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, it seems kind of 
disingenuous for Batman to say he's going to do that, and then he calls Selina to do it, and and she's the one who actually accomplishes the goal. But uh, and then I, I so I thought about it a little while through this whole arc. The group is just tools of Batman, right? He's manipulating. Yeah, he, I'm. I'm he, he's not saying I am personally going to. I'm. I'm going to put it in action. I'm right. going to make sure. Right. It happens, and it does. Uh, it does happen. Does. So I mean, he he played Bane from the get go. This mm-hmm. this whole thing was carefully calculated. It it looked sloppy in the beginning. Well, you give your wild cards in here, like like Catwoman and and Punch and Julie. So. It, there's there's a chaos going on, but it's not really. It's all controlled, which it, that's Batman, right? Yes. Yeah. Go uh, ahead. Sorry. No, it's the uh, while that is going on, while while Batman is fighting, Bronze Tiger is um, is breaking free from the, the dungeon he's been placed into, and Punch and Julie all of a sudden spring back to life because. Two issues ago, their rope, their throats were ripped open by Catwoman. But it turns out that was all just um, blood bags and and, uh, and and makeup and latex, yeah, and latex. And and they're uh, they're having a conversation about what they should do when they get off the island. Uh, <laughs> they're while while blowing their chewing gum, which is basically just. Uh, when they get the, the bubbles big enough, they now wear them and they're able to, uh, cause it looks like they were being incinerated. They, they, they just walk through the, um, the, the, the trash incinerator, make it to the water, and the bubblegum becomes a, uh, a raft, a lifeboat. Get some of that. That is some mm. serious shit. Um, so, Bronze Tiger, after breaking free, he grabs Wesker, uh, where he was so very, Ever so nicely standing. Dutifully. Right where Selena left him. (laughs) And and she said, stay. And he stayed. So Bronze Tiger shows up. He's like, all right, time to follow me. Um, Catwoman told me to stay. So I stayed. He's like, well, come on now. And then, and then so Wesker's like, all right, yeah, coming on. And they run to the throne room and it's Wesker versus Psycho Pirate. And I don't want to ruin that scene. For anybody, that that's something you should see play out for yourself. Um, although that's probably then include the page. I, the I, I did I did pull both pages for the show notes, but I deleted one. I just limited to the the first half of the exchange where Psycho Pirate puts on the mask and says, "Okay, you're very scared." I didn't. I don't want to spoil the second page <laughs> because what happens after that is just nuts. And then Bronze Tiger. Um, Helps out again. But in any case, we have everybody making their way to the lifeboat. Um, Batman has a little one-sided conversation with Bane before he leaves. Uh, and they all fly away on the bubblegum boat together. Mm-hmm. And once Bane's guards, his, his uh, royal guards, make it through into his room, they see Bane laying there on the floor asking if he's all right. Um, and he's he's mumbling something at first, but then he screams it, and the guards uh, basically have to... Uh, it, it's... I, I guess the more things change, it's, it's just... Right. I don't... It, it's pretty obvious, especially considering what the next chapter is called, but uh, it, it ends pretty open 
but it does say the next issue is uh, the bat and the cat. So I don't know if it's just two of them talking while they're floating away. I don't know what Batman number 14 right. will cover, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But Tom definitely stuck to landing with this one. Yes. He did. All, the, the whole creative team did. Because not only is it a great Batman and company story, but mm-hmm. it's, it's multi-layered too. Because the I Am Suicide can apply and does apply to both Batman and Catwoman, but it also applies to Bane. Yep. Because Bane is looking for, like Batman, like Catwoman, looking for that uh, snipe to hunt to take away the darkness and the hopelessness and the 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 the, the hurt and the, you know because Tom said um, you know the 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 death of Bruce Wayne's parents created that whole being that he became, but it was just because he was trying to fill that void of the parents' loss by not killing himself, but killing himself in a way where the death would have some kind of meaning. And that's what Bane's trying to do, too. It's a great, great arc. I mean, this is one of those... And to, the, the fact that this was written probably before or concurrently with the Monster Men story, because mm-hmm. the Monster Men story was good. And I thought King's first arc with uh, Gotham, Gotham and Gotham Girl, that was... It was fun... But Detective started off much stronger. Let's just be honest. That first arc of Detective, I think, eclipses the first arc of Batman in, qual- yep. in quality. Mm-hmm. But Monster Men was, was fun. But this, this is Tom. I think I Am Suicide is Tom coming to his own on Batman. Right. No, I, I agree. And I was, that's, which is, yeah, you have, there are certain, I guess, not mandates, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're following a creator who's been on the, the, the character for years. It's a newly relaunched book. You're, you're giving it to a, not a, Tom's not a new writer, but this is still pretty much, and Superman's getting there again, but this is pretty much DC's flagship character. So you're going to, yeah. you got to make sure that, um, there's probably going to be some some oversight, more oversight initially than there will be later on. Uh, so you know, first six months, here's you're going to have Tom being watched, and and they make sure that you know. So we're going to have David Finch draw it, and and this is going to happen. And then you have the company cross. It's not a company crossover; it's just a crossover with some of the bat books. It, it's just I, I don't three think, different books. I don't think Tom went in saying, "All right, after my first arc, let me do a crossover." With everything, right, no, well, that was probably not. right. It was probably pushed to him, but which, this, this is like, this is the real is, Tom yeah. King Batman. Yeah, that, that, which is exactly my feeling on it, and I, it was yeah, what I was waiting for, and I, yes, it, it's been, it's been good up until now. This I am suicide has has been great, and yeah. it's, um, I agree. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future. Cool, as am I. You know what I'm really looking forward to? Segway man that I am. I'm mm. looking to hear what Jason wants to talk about. Because he's quiet when we talk about Batman because he's not up to speed. And now he has no reason to read it. So <laughs> let's let's hear what you're reading. You got any Marvel stuff, Jason? Uh, I do, Vince. All right. I do. Look at me. 
Right? <laughs> um, Puppet Master. I know. Yeah. So, way back when the series first got rolling, I shouted out the first couple issues of The Ultimates by Al Ewing and Ken Roquefort. Yes. Um, and I thought it was a super cool concept, which was to say that uh, they basically, the team was created to, in essence, preempt problems, go out and solve problems before they become problems. Um, the team is uh, Captain Marvel Carol Danvers, Black Panther, um, Donald Brashear, uh, Monica Rambeau, uh, uh, um, uh, Miss America, and um, I'm forgetting anybody. Well, giant the new Giant Man is sort of I guess he's a team member, although he's more of a ancillary member. He's not really been in battle with them, but he's definitely around and helps them a lot. Um, but love the idea. Uh, the first the first arc was amazing. If you recall, it's when they uh, they they actually give you Galactus's um, back story, and it's done in such an awesome way because Rashir discovers a like a an energy molecule that's uh, like it's 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 uh, eight sided. It's like and, and then he puts it through a filter, and it was seven sided, and he comes to the realization that we're the eighth incarnation of this universe. And it's really smart because this was done right after all the Secret War stuff, right? Um, and in essence, Galactus was created after the sixth universe was destroyed. And he was the lone survivor of the sixth universe coming into the seventh. But because of circumstances beyond his control, he was never fully evolved, which is why he really wasn't meant to be the devourer of worlds. He was meant to be the life bringer. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. So they, they figure this out and they find the uh, technology that was meant to incubate him, and they incubate him, and they give birth to Galactus as the life bringer. And so now Galactus is orange, and he brings life to planets versus destroys them, which is awesome. It's a crazy cool concept. But unfortunately, uh, the Shi'ar are all sorts of bent out of shape about it because they're like, dude, you're fucking with the natural order of things. Like like the, like the Galactus serves a purpose in the cosmic ecosystem, right? Like he's he keeps things in check, and by switching him up, you 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 run the risk of of creating unforeseen circumstances, um, and then you know Galactus gets so cool. Like at one point, <laughs> at one point, uh, order and chaos, you know, Lord Order and Lord Chaos show up, and uh, and they're you know they're bitching at him as again kind of making the same case that he's he's screwing things up now, and he just punches Lord Chaos in the face and gives Lord Chaos a bloody nose. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, they, they, th- that whole arc I thought was really interesting. Um, and so I was excited to get the second trade and give that a read. And unfortunately, the second trade suffers from what I think every big two book suffers from every year or two, which is, what time was it? It was Civil War Two time. Oh no! And so, gotta make it all about Civil War Two. So, since Carol Danvers is the leader of the team, and you've got Black Panther who's in the Illuminati, of course, I didn't read Civil War Two, but I've seen enough of these crossovers. Noted that basically surrounded this idea that Ulysses was a new, new, new Inhuman, and he could tell the future. He had visions of the future, and so the the uh, group of heroes in Shield 
started using his visions as preemptive, uh, like Minority Report, to arrest people or stop people before they commit a crime. And that's what this is all about. So he gets a vision, and they they step in and, and stop a crime theoretically before it happens, and then half the team has an issue with it, like Blue Marvel and Rambo and Miss America, and half the team is fine with it, like Carol and Black Panther, and then... It keeps keeps going from there, and then all of a sudden they are sent to arrest a seemingly normal human woman because she may destroy the universe somehow. Although there's no evidence as to how or why, she doesn't have powers, and it, you know half the book is them arguing about violation of civil rights and hmm. how unfair this is. And now, meanwhile, the saving grace here is during all of this, uh, Thanos comes back because they had taken a trip when they were doing the whole Galactus thing. They were trying to get to the farthest reaches of space to basically beyond the negative zone to a place where they could go and be completely outside of the universe to observe it more more appropriately. And it didn't go well. But while they were there, um, let's just say they helped give Thanos a path back to our, our universe. So Thanos comes back, and I should have noted that in the first arc, one of the tertiary components of the of the story was that um, when they are making their journey, they come across Anti-Man. Now, if any of you read the Blue Marvel miniseries from a few years back, Anti-Man was Brashear's best friend who gets powers, becomes near godlike, and because of it, it drives him mad, he ends up killing a bunch of people, including Brashear's wife. So Brashear banishes him to the negative zone. Um, and and in, in, to that extent, they find they find uh, Anti-Man and he's alive, so they agree to bring him back. So they've got Thanos and Anti-Man holed up in their in the Triskelion uh, in adjacent prison cells. What could go wrong? <laughs> so inevitably, uh, Thanos gets in Anti-Man's uh, head and and they break out. Now I will say, in this case, they're using Anti-Man much in the same way that uh, we would have seen like the Sentry being used a few years back. So he's kind of been like a century foil, foil. But in, in any event, I, I thought the Thanos stuff was super cool, and it sets up, needless to say, Thanos being back and being the new big bad again. Um, but it was so steeped in the Civil War, the obligatory Civil War II uh, debate about should you preempt, you know, if you could, could should you preempt things? And I just, uh, I, I just hate that every book I'm enjoying at Marvel, I get to the next arc, and it's like, oh, we now pause the, your regular schedule program to talk to you about an, an event that you're actively trying to avoid. Yeah. Um, so I love the concept. I love the team. And they exited the last arc because they got passable or seemingly um, in a really interesting way. Um, Galactus gives birth to a new Herald. I won't say who it is. Um, well, tell me. Also, no, no, I'm not going to say. Um, and he seemingly has uh, need of the Ultimates now in a way that he calls them, you know, he, like I think they're going to, I think the Ultimates are going to evolve from here. Um, so very, very cool for the most part. I think Rokoford's never looked better. Um, really dig what Al Ewing's putting down. I think he has good characterizations. Um, nice blend of action versus really smart the way he's tying a lot of this stuff together, um, with what's come before. So no issues at all with the creative team and what they're doing. I, I just think, unfortunately, sort of in the 12 issues, they had a three or four issue sidestep that was required by editorial. That uh, you know has frankly besieged, besieged every every book that Marvel's put out in the last year. Or so um, 
So you can get past that, you know, for for warnings. So the second trade is Civil War two ish, but but I, I do like the book a lot, and I would say it's the best Avengers book that's out right now, um, in as much as it's an Avengers book. So uh, this Christian Ward guy's hot. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. So Christian Ward, who um, actually is a cadence a cadence artist, a rep to cadence. Um, he's a very very. De- I mean, Roker for it's you know super like cross hatchy and angular and. Realistic and well, overly realistic, and then Plainer. Christian Ward is super, super, uh, like like light and airy, yeah, and and uh, very, very different style. So it's 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 interesting that Christian ends up doing the final issue of each of the first two arcs. Um, I think it works much better in the first arc volume because in the first volume is when you get the part where Galactus is getting confronted by eternity and then chaos and order. And so Ward's, you know, light and airy and, and quirky style really lends well to the idea of dealing with, with uh, abstract concepts like, like eternity and, and order and chaos. But I'm not sure Ward as a fill in works as well in the second volume where it's a more grounded sort of story. Um, but overall, I do really like the book. I think it's one of the better books that Marvel's put out since the Secret Wars reboot, and I hope it sticks around um, now yeah. that we're past this event, for sure. I was going to say Christian Ward should cut his colorist uh, a big check, but he would be cutting it to himself. Yeah, I think... he does. Did, the, didn't Ward do that Odyssey book with Fraction? That was where I think... I'm not sure. I think they did that image book together. But this guy's great. He is very, yeah. very good. I like it a lot. Now, see, mm-hmm. he's not on every issue. You have Roquefort, um, and who else on the the other issues? Um, I don't know. Those are the only two I have in my notes. Okay, because if he was on every issue, I would I would buy the all of these things. Well, Roquefort's the primary artist. I mean, he's yeah, a, he's a regular artist. Yeah, cool. It looks great. So, so the first volume was just twelve issues. Two no, volumes. Two volumes. Six. No, no, no. I mean the first because right now there's Ultimates two. Right. But I mean, but the first series was only twelve issues. Oh, is that? How it, I don't know. Is that how it is? Yeah, Travel Foreman is on the uh, Ultimates, Ultimates two. two. Oh, is that right? Same yeah. team, same writer. It's just okay. yeah. It's I guess it's second right. season or whatever. Okay. Cool. I like like look look at this a lot. Nice. Good on you for introducing me yes, to sir. something. Yeah. I, yes, I, I last time you talked about it, I, I it's I read the first issue because I read the the teaser that was in Post Secret Wars with all the Avengers books, and it's just I, I have to get past or over whatever I, my hangup is with Roquefort. But I mean, the whole concept when Jason was talking about it before and with these characters, yes, it's something that I want to read, um, but I. I have the issues. I just need to finally just sit down and read. Yeah, I like Roquefort a lot, but it's just so draining to to experience his work because there's so much going on. Different. Yep. I mean, within the within the the human form, he's got planes going on all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, it's it makes me makes me weary. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Okay. I don't know. What, what else do we have here? Um, <laughs> you know what? This this might tie into something that you watched recently. I um, I was going through um, 
things that I, I need to catch up on, things that I want to read in the next year, and, and I'll talk about one particular thing that I'm definitely going to read in 2017. But I um, I went back and realized, I mean, not only do we have, the three of us have a physical regime, but I have a lot of things digitally that I've bought or gifted over the years that I still have. And I mean, I have comicsology books that I don't know how long I've had them. They've just still, and what's worse is at least when they're, when you have physical books in a stack next to you, next to your desk, next to your bed, next to wherever, you can see yeah. what it is you have to read. If it's digital, if I don't have the tablet open, if I don't have the app open, and I'm not looking at whatever series are, it's, it's not impossible to find out what the hell I still haven't read. So, um, I was going through a lot of, uh, things that I still have marked unread. And one of them, a couple of them actually, uh, were some miniseries from IDW, uh, pre Kelvin verse Star Trek. Uh, this is, um, they're both Romulans. Uh, they're both subtitled Romulans, but one is called Star Trek Romulans Schism. That's a three issue miniseries. And the other is, uh, Star Trek Romulans The Hollow Crown. Both written and drawn by John Byrne. And they, um, they tie in slightly to, um, the original series. It, it's, it's based on the original series, but they tie in, um, slightly to events that happened on the, uh, on the old show. Cause you, they're, aside from Romulans, there are also Klingons involved and you're dealing with, um, uh, Kor and, and, and Koloth. So Klingons who have faced Kirk in the past, Kirk does not appear, the Enterprise crew does not appear at all in, in any of these five issues. However, there is a commander on the ship in the second series who was the, First officer from the pilot from the cage that they've shown. She, she worked under, uh, she was first officer under Christopher Pike. So Pike is referenced in the series. Um, but it's basically about, uh, Romulan royalty, so to speak. The Praetor who, uh, is very much like the little prick Nero in, in Britannia. He, um, he's, Trying to make sure he's the only one. He's, he's better than everybody else, and 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 he doesn't want to listen to the Klingons. But uh, the Klingons are basically pulling his strings. He ends up uh, there. There's there are two Romulans that are about to face execution. Uh, the wife and son of one of the most noblest Romulans ever to live, uh, who was also a commander of a ship that the rumor is. Uh, was destroyed by Kirk. And once, um, once the, uh, the Klingons suggest to the Praetor that, uh, the woman and the child should be saved, he calls off the execution and strings are still being pulled and he ends up making his way to marry the woman and put the son in charge as, as a commander of, um, the, in the Romulan fleet. Klingons are still involved. Klingons are still doing their thing. It, it ends up, um, 
the the hollow crown is the um well the first part that came out in two thousand eight and two thousand nine with with um schism that uh that ties in there's still some a lot of the characters are still carried over uh the praetor by this point has been uh has been killed by his his wife uh and the son is still looking to destroy kirk um there are uh but once he finds out what actually, what truly happened, um, it all, uh, it, it, it kind of blows up in his face and, and he's almost left the gibbering it. But there's, it, it's nothing, no good ever comes of, of dealing with, with Klingons, especially this, this era, these Klingons. But, you know, it wasn't, um, Byrne did not letter this. So it was easy to read. It was a, uh, it, it's, he does have a fondness before Star Trek. I tried reading some of the New Visions books, uh, which are the yeah. the Fumetti books, the photo plays. They, yeah. it's, it, oh god, that is, it is a true. There's just there are I mean, the idea is neat. It's like you know, hey, I'm gonna. It, 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 he he treats the. It's like color forms. It's like I'm going to move these characters around. I'm cutting them out from this scene and putting them here. And and so it, it, they're not scenes that ever appeared on the TV show. Uh, so he's manipulated them and put him in place. But it's just the the, the stories he's telling with them are, are just freaking bonkers. But this was a a um a pretty solid the 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 way it ends is kind of I don't want to say it's it's. Hokey, but I mean, when 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 you watch some of the old Star Trek shows, the way they kind of ended, it it's very similar to that. So it it doesn't feel so out of place or abrupt. But uh, I a lot of scenes in space, so so there's a lot of black with with, with the white splatter. Um, there's some weird things going on with some of the panels when he'll have a starship come through, and and the nacelle will like cut someone's face in half because it's just he'd rather have the ship on the middle of the page to be the hell with wherever the panel placement was uh but i think it's it's i don't think they're as strong as like the the mccoy book he wrote and drew a few years ago um but as far as finding out what else was going on and again this is pre abrams so it's this is what we had as far as original series stuff with the Kirk era, but no, I, I thought it was, um, it was pretty neat. I, I there, there are a few other things I, I'm going through the, um, the old DC, uh, the, the volumes of, um, before they, they, they went to the fancy paper. I'm just, I'm, I'm going through a lot of old Star Trek stuff. And I realized that there's even things that are, a bunch of years old from IDW that, that I still haven't gotten around to reading, but this, this was not, um, this is pretty good. I, I, you know, it, it definitely, it looks like burn. No, no, no doubt about that. And, and that's not, it's not like, and there's, you know, to hell with anybody who wants to, to, to knock his, his backgrounds or say anything lazy about that. There's, there's a lot of detail in the backs of these, um, in the ships. It, it's not, nothing is, Sparse like it is on on in the sick bay on the old show, it, it's he, he puts some work into this. The colors are pretty sharp. Um, 
and the characters are there, even even if uh, they're not characters you've actually seen on the show, um, but may have been referenced by other characters. Uh, it, it it feels like it it actually it reads and and feels like it's something that could have happened um, behind the scenes or on an episode of the original series. So I I, I dug both of the um, the the books. So it, it, it there's. Not everything licensed that IDW puts out can be tough to read. Mm-hmm. Fair point. Keeping it upbeat, right? Too right. Yeah, you alluded to me watching the Star Trek Beyond. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yep. It kind of loses its way in the fourth reel. Like I thought the the final battle between Kirk and um, Idris Elba was a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Just a little. But it's a it's a, it's an okay trade off because I think Jayla is a great great character. Yeah, awesome, yes. right? Yeah, yes. I, I want to see her up in front and center in the fourth movie. They, uh, well, if they they're probably going to have a hand that uh, they'll have an opening at the station next to Sulu. But they have, um, oh. uh, I know. Um, it felt like one of the older episodes where they're just where 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 they're landlocked for the whole thing it wasn't there there were no fights in space it was i mean yes there were but it was for the most part it took place on the planet um and again and the relationship to see you know mccoy and spock grow yeah because we we didn't see that a lot in the first two movies we didn't see Mm -hmm. much of them just the two of them alone uh and and that was uh that was great to see and and there was a lot of scotty and i don't know if that was always the plan or if that just Became more so because Simon Pegg is credited as a as a writer. Well, well, yeah, when you write the script, you're like, screw it. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Scotty's in this one I a love, lot. I love the look of the new uh, of, of the new the new tunics. I, I like that. Yeah. The um the scales from the first two, but no, I, I thought yeah, it was it was a nice. You know, I, I enjoyed the second one as well. But for everybody who wanted to crap on the second one, at least I, I think this gave them something to uh, to enjoy. No, I like the second one, but I think this is the first one where they said, "Okay, we don't owe a debt to anyone after with this movie. We're not going to give homage to anything that came before. This right, is right. this is our 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 stuff right now." Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they do give a beautiful little tip of the hat to Leonard Nimoy. Yep, and well deserved. But I thought this was the fir- this this was the first movie where it feels like a new franchise now. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Although you know, I'm, I mean, there's there's one little caveat. I I really like Idris Elba, mm-hmm. but he's kind of becoming the Johnny Depp um, type character for me. Like he's in everything. He is in everything. I mean, just stop, stop. Like he's like in every animated movie too. Yeah, it has to get paid. It's, I mean, and it's funny. We were. Um, oh wait, well, it was though. It almost got to the point with Beyond where if, if you're going to get Idris Elba, why are you going to cover his face for most of the movie that he's in? Yeah, um, could have yeah. been anybody, right? <laughs> so, and then you have, but we watched actually last night. We watched. Um, the Losers, which has a ton of actors who went on to be in comic book related movies, uh, but he was he was fantastic in that, and that's that that's the movie. It's I'll watch. Well, we watch that maybe once a year. It, it's a lot of fun. It's and it it does. It it's not the comic. It's not the Diggle and Jot comic 
word for word and, and panel for panel, but it's still still a lot of fun. But yes, Vince, he he does seem to be uh, in just about everything you say. But he's he's easily uh, more tolerable than Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean Depp is just the same character every single time. Why are they making another Paris movie? I don't know because it makes money. Because oh, it made all the I, money. Yes, I know, I know, but goddamn, I know. I know. I, I enjoy so those just movies. Keep making money until we run into the ground. I, that's what I don't. Yeah. I know. And, and they do. They, they sink it, a right? lot of money into those movies, but they make a lot of money. <laughs> they they're they're visually stunning, but the the thought of another pirates movie, it's are not. Ever, are they different in any way? Well, not I've never f- enjoyed those movies, but I mean, they make uh, a ton of money. Though. Yeah, I like them. I think the first three are great. The fourth one is okay. And, you know, but, but is it the same story? I mean, is, they the just, first three are the Jack, and it's just the first know. three are the same story. Yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's one. It's a long, long narrative. But uh, no, um, I don't know why I held off watching Beyond, but I got it for Christmas on Blu-ray, and yes. I'm like, damn, this is so good. Easily the best of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, briefly, because I talked about it already. Um, I read Boldly Go number three, which is the series that takes place after Beyond. Um, and they actually tie it into, there's a reason why, um, the Borg have appeared now in this universe. Um, even though they don't have a Borg cube, it's more of a sphere. The reason why they, they're dealing, this version of, of Trek, this, this version of Kirk and Company are dealing with the Borg. Whereas what we're used to is not till years late, decades later when they meet the next generation crew, the Narada, the, the, the ship that followed McCoy into this universe that the Romulans had, had Borg tech in it. So when the Narada shows up in the Kelvin verse, mm-hmm. the Borg reacted to it it was kind of like there was a homing beacon they they recognized their tech and they went looking for it so now now this trek has to now, now this the borg is an actual threat in this version of trek so um it all worked out really well and unfortunately in the end of the third issue a member of the crew has been uh abducted by the Borg and is on the the table getting fitted for for his locutus eye and and uh, his his extra parts. So I won't say who, but it's um it kind of makes sense. But it, it's uh no I, I what I love how much you love Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I mean I enjoy Star Trek I and, and 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 it's part of my childhood. But you you genuinely love Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, Yeah. He's so cute. He is. Uh-huh. And Aww. you make me interested in these, these IDW comics, but there is a shit ton of IDW Star Trek comics. There, and, it's like Titan with the Doctor Who stuff. It's like, yes, or it's like IDW with Transformers. There are, it's it's a, it, once you have, it, it's weird because even I'm trying to navigate and, and a lot of it, it, they have the archives, which are the trades. And it's like the best of Peter David. Well, I know Peter David never wrote IDW Trek, so obviously this is the old DC stuff. And they have, they, they, they have a volume, they have an archives for Gary Seven. Dude was in one episode. Why do we have an, why are there more than five stories for Gary Seven that we even need to collect? But, yeah. 
and, and I know that the, the Jason had to read a Gary Seven book, but the um, there's the archives can be a little crazy. There, there's there's the the Starfleet Academy. There's I don't know if IDW put out a lot of um, next generation stuff, but they've been collecting the things from Malibu, from Marvel, from DC, and the the, the Marvel stuff was only like eighteen issues. So it, it's um. There is, yeah, so I, it, right now, I'm kind of just, I'm reading whatever stuff I have that I've had from them for a while, mm. and just the, um, the boldly go stuff, cause that's, that's post third movie, so at least that, that's kind of where I'm gonna try to stay, and I don't, I, the extra stuff, I don't know where all that's coming from or where they're pulling it out of. Okay. Let's, uh, let's bat the ball back to Mr. Wood. Well, I hinted that uh, I had more than one Hassan thing to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the so Barbarella was his very thoughtful gift to me this Christmas. But last Christmas, he was kind enough to give me uh, not one but two hardcovers um, by Titan. And they were Snowpiercer, number one, The Escape. And Snowpiercer, number two, The Explorers. And it's a little tricky because Snowpiercer, number two, The Explorers hardcover actually collects Snowpiercer 2 and Snowpiercer 3. So it's a little wonky. Mm. Especially because this past year, they just released the Titan hardcover Snowpiercer 3 Terminus, which technically is Snowpiercer 4. Right. But anyway. It's like Black said. Yeah, pretty much. But... Um, those of you that haven't read these graphic novels may know the name because these are the books that were the genesis for the uh, cult hit, I would say, mm. um, Snowpiercer the movie, um, which came out a few years back, starring Captain America himself. And I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I would say that the movie was a visual spectacle. It was an escapist fun movie. Um, but you really had to leave your logic circuits at the door. <laughs> um, the premise was that, um, for reasons that I guess aren't really all that important, but they do get into them, but, but the, the earth ends up becoming a, a frozen wasteland. Uh, and one industrialist who was a train tycoon also was a survivalist. And as luck would have it, he built a, uh, before all this happened, he had built a unified train, uh, one single train route that circumvented the Earth uh, for tourist purposes. He was it was like an ultra luxury liner type of thing, but he ends up being the savior of humanity in that uh, they throw th- it's a thousand and one um, train cars long, and it's a fully functioning ecosystem. He throws a bunch of humans in there, and they take off and. Basically, it's the only, it, they become the only humans left on the earth. And they just go round and round and round the earth. And it's a perpetual motion machine. So, which is good. And, uh, it's the, it's, you know, so they're living on this train basically. But it's a, it's a, it's really a metaphor for the hierarchy of society because in the tale, you've got thousands upon thousands of people living in squalor and poverty and famine squished all together. Uh, and then you've got your sort of mid-tier middle class people who, Still living in relatively tough conditions, but they have food and they have some 
some creature comforts and you progressively move up the train, of course, to get to the sort of the, the gendarme who have their own beautiful, well-appointed, um, you know, train cars that are all to themselves and catered meals and luxuries and all sorts of things. And, um, the movie is, is, a is Chris Evans is the star and he essentially is, uh, the train has been going around and around for 17 years and he's fed up and he decides to help lead a revolution to get to the front of the train. Um, now again, I mean, the movie's fun and I just rewatched it after reading these graphic novels. Um, I would say that, uh, the movie, again, it's, it's, it didn't hold up as well the second time simply because, um, it was harder to ignore the, the insanity, the logic leaps that you have to make to, to buy into this all happening. But, but nevertheless, a really, really creative and, and well, well, beautiful, beautifully filmed movie. So, Hassan sent me these graphic novels. Now, the, the, one of the interesting things about them, uh, these are also French, Bande Um, uh, the first one of uh, the original was, uh, by Messieurs Loeb and Rocher. Um, that was put out in the, I want to say the late 80s, early 90s. Um, the follow-up two volumes, uh, were written by, um, a different gentleman, uh, named Legrand with art by Rocher. And then the, the third volume, which I just bought, bought and read myself this week, written by a different person named Mr. B- Mr. Bouquet, also art by Rocher. So you've got 30 years of Mr. of Rocher's artwork to see through these four volumes, which is fascinating because his art style changes dramatically from OGN to OGN. Uh, in the first one, um, it, it's very tight, very, very tight, wonderfully illustrated. In the second one, very loose and scratchy, almost unfinished at times. And then you would think that as the gentleman got older, the third and final, which just came out last year, would be the most abstract. But in fact, it's like he's went back to his roots <laughs> and it was a much tighter book again. So I'm really fascinated by what was going on. I mean, clearly he was, even in the back matter I talk about, he was, it was in a conscious decision to change his style and he just continued to evolve and he's kind of gotten back around to being a pretty tight artist. But, um, the, the, again, the books are super interesting, but they, they have massive leaps in logic. So the first one, um, is in a lot of ways analogous to the movie. There's this train created by this guy, and they're going around and around. It's a much smaller, I mean, it's a much larger train in the book. It's 1,001 cars versus in the movie, which probably for budgetary reasons, it was more like 40, 50 cars. Um, but none of the characters in the original OGN are characters from the movie. Uh, There's some analogs, but they're not at all the same, and the book, it doesn't end the same. Um, so it's kind of like they took a lot of liberties. Um the second volume, which again came out about 10, 12 years after, they're on it, they're on the, the, the train's called the Snowpiercer. They're on the Snowpiercer, but it's the Snowpiercer 2. As it turns out, we're supposed to believe that there wasn't just one of these trains, there was in fact another one. <laughs> and so this one, they're driving around this track, and they're constantly in fear of running into and slamming into or catching up to the original Snowpiercer. They're on the same track? They're on the same track. Oh, man. And it's very strange in the second one because in the first one, they have it's perpetual motion, and they have to continue to move because the tracks continue to freeze over, and only, it's only the momentum of the train that keeps them warm and allows them to break through the ice all the time. 
So when they start to lose momentum, which is part of the story, like things to get get very harried. Uh, in this one, it's a bigger, better, faster, much more um, technologically uh, uh, futuristic train. And as a result, they know that they're going faster than the other Snowpiercer. So they periodically slow down on purpose so that they don't run into the Snowpiercer. Um, again, whole new set of characters, um, sort of. But then they try and tie it into where, in fact, there was once years ago a case where the two actually did collide and they ended up taking pieces from the original Snowpiercer and putting it... So now the, the, we come to find out the Snowpiercer 2 actually has an engine on the front and the back and it, it actually reverses direction at times. Okay. Um, but underlying all this, though, is again, and, and I'm, I'm selling it short, the cool part about these books is that both of them in their own way are are very overt critiques about society and class and human rights and the way that we leverage technology and distraction to forget our problems. Um, so whereas one is a pretty straightforward take on class warfare, two is a, um, is, is a much more, I think, nuanced look at how things like technology and media and those kind of things are opiates for the masses. Um, and again, that was all done years before they made the movie, right? So in the movie, like I said, all different characters that didn't appear in one in either of the two OGNs. So I get the third volume, which again just came out about two years ago, after the movie, and I read it, and the this one takes place minutes after the the second one had ended, like fifteen years before. Um, and in that case, they had decided to go off the tracks, um, cross because they had picked up a very faint radio signal somewhere. So they, they went off the tracks, um, got to the point where the radio signal was they had sent a few guys out in suits to, to try and track down the, the, the signal. And at the end of the second book, they, they come to a, it's an, it's just a, it's a room with a repeating radio signal, but there's no, there's no signs of life. So they're like, oh, we're fucked, you know. Um, in this one, I, I think because of the movie, they decided that they shouldn't end it there. And, and in fact, there was more to it than the radio signal. They discover that the radio signal was actually the, at the top of a skyscraper that was long since buried by ice. So they're actually thinking they're like on the ground, but they're actually on the top of a skyscraper. And so they decide to descend the into the skyscraper and see what's up. And I'll just say without getting a lot of detail that there's other humans and they have a society going on. And the the crazy part of it is midway through this third volume, fucking the two characters that survived the movie show up. And like they tie it all in together. And it's like it's it's and they, they actually make the point that there were ten snow piercers and that seven of them have ended up in this like this new civilization. The other three presumably have crashed or gone missing. And it's the girl in the, at the end of the movie, this Asian young Asian woman and a young black boy are the only, they, they leave the wreckage of the snow piercer in the film and they, and they're wandering off into the snow. It's the characters from the fucking movie. They, they, they run into the people from the first two novels and they, they explain like we were in another snow piercer. We crashed. We, we survived. We, and we ended up here and I'm like, that is bananas. So, it's it's pretty crazy how they tie it into the movie after seemingly having nothing to do with the movie. 
Um, but I would say that the the art in the third and the pacing were stunning. Like I was thinking, oh, this is just a cash grab. They're just trying to throw a third one out because the movie came out, and they're like, all right, we can sell more of this. But I think the third is the most cohesive, well done of the of the three. Actually, you lost me a little bit. How does the how does the train leave the train? Dude, that's what, it. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you, I, there's, it doesn't make any sense at all. That's what I'm saying. You got it. Like. Like how on earth could there be how on earth could they've been ten concurrent snowpiercers that were all created and no one knew about them on the same tracks though right on the same tracks yeah that's crazy no it's completely impossible impossible (laughs) no possible you can explain that part so you will suspend disbelief to a certain degree for a good story yes yes I will that's good to know I will so highly recommend these books I mean if you happen to have seen the film and like the film you're going to love these books. but I've never seen the film. Oh, oh no, really? really? Mm-hmm. No, no. You, yeah, you didn't yeah, enjoy no. it. Cody, that shit. Yeah, no, you'll like it. The um, <laughs> and I'd say there's stuff in the movie. There's stuff in the movie they don't do in the books. That's 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 straight, like legit, good ideas. <laughs> makes you hate the people. I love Dab so much. Wait, in the, wait, it makes you hate the people in the movie or the book? In the movie. Oh yeah, no, the people in the movie. Yeah, no, they're Ed Harris is fuck. Oh, dude, and and Tilda Swinton. I just there. There's oh, Tilda so Swinton much. too, for real. <laughs> we might, you know, I think we watched it. We watched it late one night, and mm-hmm. I, I know she was enjoying it because Chris Evans is in it, and and um, I was just watching all the people doing their crazy shit just to try, and oh my, and the fucking protein. But there's just there's some crazy shit in this movie, so I really want to read the books. But it leads me to a question I've been meaning to ask you for the past few weeks now and I don't know if you ever got around to if they're still on a DVR have you watched the Dirk Gently show not yet no okay because I've already <laughs> asked if we, we haven't seen the last couple and I just I don't know if I was going to ask you if, if this story is actually based on one of Adams's novels or if this is just a show with characters that were in books that they're just that that idiot Max Landis is just telling a story with these characters. Oh, so once, I see. once you see it, I don't. You'll, you'll tell me because I've never read any of his books, so I don't know okay. if this is an adaptation of, of a story or if they're just like, listen, you know, Dirk Gently's a character. These are some other characters in his novels, and, and we're telling a, a TV show with these characters. So. Sure, I was going to say. I mean, I haven't obviously I haven't seen the show. I mean, as you may know, Adams had two series of books. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency was his other book. Yeah, you know, the, it was the, the non Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book. Uh, there were three of them. Um, so, um, but I'm imagining, I, I'm just guessing that this is stories with the characters versus, that's my guess, but. Okay. Right. All right, Dan. Yeah, man. Dope stuff, dude. I'm all about the French sci-fi this week. You Seriously. are. I love it. Cabernet Sauvignon. Sauvignon. Dap, let's do it. Oh, God. So, the, um. By far. The best book. Oh, God, to, 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 <laughs> oh no. We're already, we're the done. the we're best already book done. to come out. Good night, everybody. What, last week? Good night, everybody. This week? This week it came no, out. No, this week. This yes. week it came out. If it, it's, it's the best book this week if you are deaf, dumb, and blind and you have read nothing else in the past three years. This is by far I'm the best book. Just going to pretend I didn't hear that. Written. Dude. By Frank Miller and Brian. Stop. Respectful. Be respectful. Written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello. Pencils by Andy Kubert. Inks by Klaus Jensen. Colors by Brad Anderson. It is 
Dark Knight Three: The Master Race Number Seven, and it no sense. and it what the cover makes no sense. Which one? Uh, the main cover, the one by Kubrick. No, it's just a pretty picture. Yeah, which has so nothing what? to do. Oh my god! That's, none, none of them. None, none of them make any sense. The one with Carrie, she doesn't look like that anymore. Then no, but that's and that's Chris Burnham doing his best Frank Miller. Yeah, then, then, then you got Jansen doing uh, well, Batman yes, versus a mutant. Everybody else is doing a, a a a their take on the original Dark Knight series, which I love how everybody's doing homages to the first Dark Knight, as if even though this is DK three, pretending that no, Dark not, Knight Strikes Again doesn't exist. They're not pretending at all. The uh, the Chaken cover, I don't like it. No, there, there's not one a, thing I like about the Chaken cover. No, no. The Frank one is. A masterpiece, as usual. The Frank one is probably the best one. Yeah, the Jim Lee one is way too detailed, and it's just silly. But anyway, uh, at the end of Dark Knight 3, number 6, Batman was gravely wounded by the the crazy Kandorian. And uh, now Superman races... He's to save Bruce because he's at death's door. He's knock, knock, knocking. And uh, where does he bring him? To a Lazarus oh. pit. Yep. What? Yes. Yep. He dumps Bruce in a Lazarus pit. But before really? we get there, we've got pages of padding to get through first, Jason. Oh, my God. There's no padding in this. What are you talking about? It's set, set, set in the scene, my man. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, yeah, by all means, by all means, go ahead. Gotham City's in ruins, uh, thanks to the crazy Kandorians, who uh, just blitz the place. I mean, you know, there's massive devastation. Then we get a little section where of of stark realization that Batman may not be infinite, as they all expect. Uh, they may have lost one of their own. Uh, Hal's and we get a, we get a tie into the back issue story. Yeah, Hal's wandering the desert, trying to find himself after lo- after losing why, his why hand. Why would you? What? Well, I guess because he's got to hold the canteen, but he's trying to he's trying to get the sun out of his eyes with his stump hand. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? <laughs> Dude, it's not going to work. You got no hand. Um, it's just that's the 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 little tiny tiny touches that you know make this book the masterpiece that it is. The, so the, the Adam, I'm not trying, I'm just being truthful. The Adam is, he's gonna save the day, he's got a solution. Uh, Lara is, uh, starting to realize that the forces with which she's joined may not have been the right team to sign up with. Let's just leave it at that. Because, uh, F- Father Quar is now going after Jonathan. He, he's got Lara. He's not happy with just Lara. He wants Jonathan. And he sends Lara to retrieve Jonathan. And Lara is intercepted by her mother, who holds a sword to her head and says, you know what? You're not doing this. It's not going to happen. And Lara says, but mom, I have backup. And then mom says, yeah, so do I. So this is going to end up as a war between the Kandorians and the Amazonians. This is a this is a masterpiece. <laughs> we have we have way way different definitions of masterpieces. So the backup yeah. story is again um, Hal Jordan, and I and oh I'm sorry no it's not just Hal Jordan actually it's called Strange Adventures, but um, 
it's it's not just Hal. It's also Hawkman and, and Hawkwoman. No, it's their uh, children. Well, it? yeah, but I mean, they're dressed. Yes, they. Yes, it's 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 the kids, but it's um. The, what's interesting though <laughs> is I don't. <laughs> I'm not quite sure <laughs> when you see. <laughs> How is it that you have all of um I'm 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 way confused because Hal's in the desert mm-hmm. and and he's wearing you know, he's 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 all duped out like Lawrence of Arabia, and then he comes across the person who has his hand. Yep. Who has this is this is a, a very precious treasure of mine. Anything I have can be yours for a price. It's in a gold. It's in a yellow box too. It's in a yellow box, which yeah. is why Hal wasn't able to detect his hand with, that still has the ring on it. So Hal steals the box, mm-hmm. runs through the desert, and 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 the palm trees from the AD book, and then you come across. Stop. The 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 hand escapes. Well, the hand escapes. It's like ash. The, yes, <laughs> it's like Evil Dead. And and and, and the Hawk people scoop up. The guy who was trying to kill Hal for for running off with the box with the hand. This is where I'm completely like I wasn't lost earlier in the book. This is where I'm going to be lost right here on this page. Where the fuck did these people in the suits and the dude with the cigarette falling out of his mouth come from? If they're in the desert and everybody's wearing rags and hoods. What do you mean where they come from? They're in the desert. Everybody else is is wearing hoods and rags, and 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 they're like, they're like. Oh, hey. you mean the guy, the guys, and the- all of a sudden, out of them like downtown metropolis, <laughs> like suits and regular people and clothes, and it's like it's surrealism. You don't think about it; you just go with it. They're they're well dressed people on a on a on, oh, on a sightseeing tour. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's so Ron Perillo brought him <laughs> yeah. out to, to the fucking. It's just—it's brilliant, Jason. And then, oh, and, there's, and then there's Matt Might. Yes, when Matt so, Might. So. First of all, first of all, one of the hooded dudes blows a hole. Yep. In the wing. Of, with, his, with his regular gun. With his regular, with his regular gun of Hawkman. It doesn't look like a regular gun. Because it, it's that's not the it's, discharge it's a of a millimeter. What, right, no, but it's souped up. Face, it's, it's got some tech going on. It's got an nth metal. No, Frank Miller drew it. That's what's got it going on. Hey, you are disrespectful. Um, it, <laughs> he blows a hole in the, the the sun's wing, which doesn't seem to matter in the next panel. But the thing, the thing I just giggled out loud because this is Frank saying, "Screw you!" When the hand is revealed from the box, mm-hmm. the ring, the lantern ring, is on the index finger. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. Hal yeah. never wears no. the ring on the index. It's the finger. middle finger or the ring. Fi- it's usually almost always the ring finger. Some people draw it on the middle finger, but this one's got it on the forefinger. Yeah, why is it on the index finger? This is Frank being the masterful creator that he is, saying, "You know what, guys? <laughs> it doesn't really matter what finger the ring on. He's Hal Jordan." No, this this is so beautiful. This is what this is the best comics right here. That don't they break with convention, right? I don't understand why Batmite's there. It's a Batmite's a construct of the ring. 
Anything. Why? Yeah. All of a sudden, he's on his back, like like the thing with two heads. It's, yes. It's great. It, it's, Why? And and Hal is uh, that last panel. Hal seriously got something working on him. But but why would Hal manifest a bat mite? Why? Well, I mean, we're going to find out. So Hal's hand just has to be nearby, and he becomes Green Lantern. Again? Sure. Yes. The power okay. of the ring compels him. Yes. Yes. Right when they get back to wherever the hell they so are, where these people with the suits and ties are. So good. This is it's so... Just, I don't, yeah, it's so something. No, it's amazing. They, they were right to release this in hardcover format, because this is really special stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> and the, the Hawkman, Hawkman's daughter does not wear a top. She just she just lets yeah, the uh, uh, lets the bandoleros um, lets it fly. She's gorgeous. No, nice. you got to admit, David, I, I'm not asking for much, but as far as the backups go, this is by far the best illustrated of the Miller backups. Yes. Oh, absolutely. When when you consider, I mean, we the three of us, or was it Zach when um, we yeah. were talking about the one with with Lara? Yeah. Um, which was very, European, European. Uh, that's yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, but there's uh, no. I would. I would agree. Yeah. And I'm. I am honestly because Riso did the Wonder Woman one, which I think was like the back of the second issue. But I mean, it first. I am. No. Was it the first? No. No. The Minotaur. Was it the first one? I believe the the Riso did the first backup. I could be wrong. No. The first backup it's, was uh was the Adam right? Oh, so then that was Miller. Yes, and it was. Gorgeous, um, but the Rizzo. second one was Rizzo, right? So I thought I did not think Miller was going to do so many of the. Ba- I thought he was just going to after the first one that he wrote, he's going to do some covers and then to do the variant covers and and just co-write. But I didn't. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see that he is still. I'm, I'm considering these backups as, as practice, and and they're just no. He so still got it. He does, he still when he got does it. his DK three. Will get you know. Frank again, but still um, got it. But you know, I, I I shouldn't be playing into your hands, but I will. Jason, um, I, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but there is no indication anywhere the settings change, mm-hmm. but the backgrounds don't. The backgrounds don't change. There, somebody when 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 Hal finds the person with his his ring, you don't know where he is. There's no indication in the backgrounds at all as to setting. He finds the 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 guy with the ring. He there's a table. Conveniently, there's a table there, and he kicks it over, and the table mm-hmm. table looks like it becomes a monolith, <laughs> like in the background. <laughs> no, it's amazing, right? <laughs> then we get a top down view. Thankfully, Frank gives us a couple palm trees to tell us where we are. But the backgrounds, there's nothing in the backgrounds. Frank. Allows clip art. no shush. Frank allows his characters to drive the story. He doesn't need backgrounds. <laughs> He's like all that's important is the foreground that is the in this scene. Part yeah of doing these DK three books is Vince's justifications for for why I'm not justifying them at all. Book. Frank I absolutely Look, love it. Frank doesn't need me to back him up. He's a no. master, and this is just him. He doing, should be on his fucking payroll. He's plying his trade, down. and it's a. And then the last panel with Hal looking semi-retarded and, and the little bat mite clinging on. It, it is. It's and Frank says, you know what's important with this Green Lantern symbol? Not the whole thing, but the circle in the middle. 
The circle in the middle is the, the most important thing. And it's all off center. The the um, of course it is because Frank says, you know what? Screw alignment. I don't need alignment. I don't need to center things. I'm Frank Miller. I, I don't know why we have people in suits at the bottom of this panel. <laughs> but it's amazing. <laughs> the one guy's the one guy's <laughs> pointing <laughs> like, hey, these people to a city. Yeah, hey. In case you didn't notice it, there's a two hawk creatures in the air flying with a guy. Look. <laughs> And he points to it. It's amazing. <laughs> with his thumb out. Look up there. I and, love and Frank No Miller. women, though. No women, though, in this city. No, because you got a Muppet. See, the, I, I the guy with the glasses? Because of the cigarette and, and the old dude, I thought it was like Julie Schwartz. I thought maybe No, I'm trying no. to figure out if like, this is a throwback to... No, the guy with the glasses is... is um, What's his name uh, that we just saw? <laughs> well, yeah, it's Wesker. And the little thing <laughs> is this ventriloquist. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. No shit, I love this. Uh, this see, this is the kind of comics that I really love because you, you got you got your heartfelt part in the beginning, like that. Mm-hmm. That seriously, no, I'm not. I'm not being facetious. I'm not trying to get a laugh. But the panel, the full page splash where Bruce comes out of the Lazarus pit and he's obviously disoriented, and Superman says, "Easy, Bruce, I got you, buddy." That's a great page. That's a great friggin' page. No one else could have written that page but Frank. And that's where I am being facetious. Listen, I love that you're loving it. I'm loving every page of it. It really is. I'm so yeah, how glad. Is it, how's it doing? Like, is it? I don't, I don't know. I don't. I really have no idea. Yeah, I don't see it on the charts every month. It mm-hmm. may be. It may be selling well enough. I, you know, they wouldn't have pulled the plug even if it wasn't selling well because of no. the creative team. They're going to take their lumps, but yeah. I, uh, okay, real talk. I I can't compare this to the first one. Well, I, I, I really can't. The, yeah, okay. News. Yeah, I, I, re, I really, I can't even compare this one to the second one. But it's fun. It's I'm I'm ponying up for the hardcover every month, and I don't feel mm-hmm. like I'm being cheated. That's all. I I love it. Is it oh, great? That's, right. that's all. It's important. You know, I'll I'll be dap. Is it great comics? I'm, I'm glad that no, they but didn't it's, release the slipcase yet, since they have to now expand it. That's true. They got to reproportion. <laughs> yeah, right. some, somebody yeah, was like, "That would be great." Because this, this story, this, this story that didn't need eight issues is now taking nine. I hope they don't oh, reformat right. the slipcase. That would be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> you got to put it on top. No, no you got to. You have your eight, awesome. and then you got your nine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Velcro. That would be incredible. Oh, by the way, there's another one. Here's your slipcase for eight issues plus number nine. Um, you know what? I gotta capture the the page with the with the guys on the bottom so everybody can see this. It doesn't make any. No, it doesn't make any sense. Desert and everybody in hoods and robes to a scene from Mad Men. I just I don't fucking get it. Does it have to make sense? Uh, mm. You don't know now. You well, know. considering we just heard about Snowpiercer, maybe no, maybe it doesn't have to make sense. Oh no. damn! No, it doesn't. It's just good comics. It's all just good sequential it, art. Um, I don't know. Um, I have, I have two Marvel issues. One of which I was hoping that that I don't think Jason got to read it yet. It, it's an annual. Oh, okay. I'm just going to touch on it real quick, though. But the first one, right. um, just rather, just so everybody knows, the color on the backup was by Alex Sinclair. 
Everybody else is the same. Besides Kubert. Frank Miller penciled it. Jansen inked it. Sinclair did the color. Right. And well, and did, um, and it's written by both, right? Azarello and Miller. Well, it's written by Frank. Azarello's just tagging his name. Yeah, he's just, he's just, yeah. Making sure, you know, all the dots and yeah. at the, the sentences and shit, right? Right, right. <clears throat> so, um, I don't know how much longer I will be buying and reading this new Becky Coonan Punisher now that Steve Dillon isn't around to draw it. Why, who's on uh, art? Well, this is credited with both because there are some pages by Dillon, but it's uh, artists are this is Punisher uh, number seven, mm-hmm. uh, new story arc Into the Wild starts now. Uh, parental advisory not for kids because um, there's a uh, let's see, um, yeah, she says cut the shit right on the first page, but writer is Becky Cloonan, artists are Steve Dillon and Matt Hoark, Horak, H O R A K. Uh, color is Frank Martin and Corey Pettit is your color, as your letterer. The, the Dylan pages look like Dylan pages. I was trying to see if maybe, uh, Dylan might have penciled some and it's, it's possible that maybe Horak inked them on, in, in that case. So, or there were some layouts, but we get to some pages with just the Punisher. And I don't know what's up with this scowl. I don't know what's up with this pout. It, it's not. They're not complimentary. It's not like they're, oh, I can't tell who drew what. It's, it's very, very apparent when you see the Horrock pages. Um, they're not as, well, you know Dylan's work. You know, it, it, it's very minimalist with the lines. It's, it's, it, it's just, you know what to expect. There's, um, the line weights vary a bit with Horrock. It's, it's, um, it's not as clean, I'll say, and it's not as um it, it 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 can be a bit cartoony at times too. He did Dylan did get to do the last page, which introduces um the uh the a new character, the old crone, because Frank is trying it is he, he needs um he's been shot in the arm, he's mm-hmm. he, he finds his way to a farm, um, looking to see if anybody's home and this old woman with a double barrel answers the door looking like she's got one good eye um says I'll ask the questions around here and that's the end of the issue I don't know if there are other pages here I don't think there are like, I don't think number 8 is going to have any pages by Dylan I don't know if if um I know it's apparent that if Dylan handed in the last page for this story but didn't draw too many pages in the middle that either there were pages that he read the script and there were Pages that he definitely wanted to do, and he did those. Be damned of of, of what order they're in. Um, so it's very possible that maybe he's got a couple of pages in in the next issue or the issue after that. But um, it 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 was Steve that you know, took Steve Dillon's on Punisher. I'm there. I'm buying it. No doubt. I don't give a shit if 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 we're turning him into the werewolf this time. It, it's it, so mm-hmm. I'll be there. Um, but. I I was digging Clunan's story with with Steve drawing it, and we're still going on with with the first story arc with 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 um, Face, the dude who who um, kills people, and and the, the, the guy who's 
uh, now got the drugs in his system that Frank's... So it's... The first arc didn't end so cleanly where, you know, everybody gets to walk away. There's still... um, The the federal agent is still after... Ortiz is still after... um, uh, Frank and, and trying to avenge her partner's murder. Uh, so that story is, is still going to continue. I, because it's Punisher, it's very hard for me to, it, the Punisher for me is not, it, it's not the, it's not like Miller and Hitch coming on a Fantastic Four where it's easy for me to walk away. It's, it's, it's not easy for me to not be interested in a Punisher book. So, um, I do have yeah. the next few on on order from DCBS, and and so they're coming, and I'll see um, where we go from here. I don't know if Lorak is staying on. I don't know if um, they're going to get somebody who's who's similar to Steve Dillon. I I'm not sure where it's going, so I I um, I kind of don't want to leave this arc. Now this is the first chapter. This new I don't know. I I, I don't know where I'm going with Punisher. I'm not. Um, as much as I was loving the first six issues, I'm I'm not there now because of the way it looks. But um, we'll see. Now the the other Marvel book, which I really got a kick out of, um, and and I wanted Jason to read it because of a character who appears in it, especially after uh, you were talking about what type, um, what 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 Christmas time character. Your son has become uh, so infatuated with recently, but this is um this is the Paramount Iron Fist annual, Sweet Christmas annual, uh, written by David F. Walker, and um my new I gotta I gotta see if I can find a place for him on the eleven o'clockers, but it is drawn by Scott Hepburn, so I'm gonna have to hit Cadence and see if there are any pages for this available because there are some pretty slamming um panels. There's a uh, it, it's the story kind of takes place. Uh, well, it takes place on Christmas Eve in a uh, in a toy store, and um, there are these new must-have uh, this this season's uh, Cabbage Patch Kids, Pokemon, and, and everything. All all Skylanders, everything. It they're called Schnuckies, and and they're based on a video game like Pokemon. But now you can go and um, get the little plush figure to go along with the game and, and, and Schnuckies are our family and, and there's a whole song with it and Danielle wants one so uh, Danny and Luke wait online at the uh, on Christmas Eve at quarter to 11 to go get one of these uh, one of these Schnuckies while they're there um, Luke really wants nothing to do with the shopping so Danny and Danielle go looking um, while Luke is hanging out downstairs um Jessica Drew calls and is uh, asking Luke for help because she's she's got a screaming baby in her hands and uh, she has no idea how to calm this kid down. Um, so it's just she, she's just you know telling Luke if remember how you said I, I I could call if I ever needed any help with parenting or, or, or things are out of control. Well, well, things are definitely out of control. So I'm curious because I'm not current on Spider Woman if um, how she has reacted to motherhood in Dennis Hopeless's hands and, and how she's able to uh, juggle baby and superheroing. I know like she's got her, she's like a boss and I know she's got she's got her uh porcupine and she's got she's got her crew with her to help her out. Um yep. so I'm not sure if the baby was just super cranky. 
Um, or if she just needed to go shopping on Christmas Eve and the kid just ain't having it. Um, but while all of this is happening, it turns out that the person behind the Schnuckies has, has something more sinister in, in, at hand. But we have the son of Satan to help save the day. So now we're talking. Yep. Uh, and Hepburn draws a pretty kick ass Hellstrom. Um, but no, there's a, there's, it's, it's a fun, it, it just, it feels like an annual. It's, it's a fun story. Nothing, nothing. Well, I don't want to say earth shattering because there is literally in the comic a, a hole to the center of the earth, but there's just a, it just, it, it's it's not a it's not a distraction, but it's just it's it's something different than what's going on in the main Paramount Iron Fist story. It's still these mm-hmm. characters, you know these dudes, and and it's just it it feels like a, a Marvel team book. And and Walker still has he's he writes these two like he's been writing them for years. It's just yes, yeah. it he's he's got a real cool vibe with them, and and I, I like his Drew. She she's um she can handle it. Uh, she might not be handling the baby, but she knows how to fight. Um, and and what's not to like about uh, Son of Satan? So no, uh, it's it's a. Um, I totally agree. And there is there's even um, when the uh, when when the Schnookies come to life, they <laughs> you get a uh, say it again. Schnooky Schnooky. They when when the Schnookies come to life, um, they uh, there's a an awesome double page spread where um you see the entire not the entire Marvel universe but while all of it's happening there's a um double page spread includes Miss Marvel Kamala you have the Punisher blasting him with his guns Doctor Strange with his big ass sword um Medusa and uh and Spider-Man who's jumping down from Parker Industries uh, wearing his red slippers and his pajama bottoms, but putting his mask mm. over his face, so you get um, oh boy, you get your you get your New York bound. Uh, although, is it maybe Peter Parker? I don't know. I'm not reading the conspiracy. So you have um, so some of your Manhattan based Marvel heroes showing up too for a second. But no, overall, it was uh, it it looks great. Colors are popping. It's a um, it's it's a kid. and you know what and and Danny's Danielle. Luke's kid is not a, um, she's a cute kid. She is not at all, uh, annoying or, or, or groan inducing. It's a, um. Who's the mother? Who's the mother? Jessica. Jessica Jones is the mother. But where is she? No, she's not in it. You said Danny's kid. No, Danielle. Oh, okay. So it's Luke's, it's Luke's kid. Luke, right. Right. I thought you said, I thought you said Danny's kid. I'm like. No, I said, I was going to say something about Danny in the book, but I, I just, oh, I, okay. I, I switched to just talking about how Danielle doesn't annoy me. So it's, it's. That's a nice name. So it, it's a nice name. Well, that's because they thought. Right. He, no, no, I didn't think he was dead at the time. Or did they? It was there in the Bendis Avengers room. Maybe they did. Right, right. That's his boo, though. That's his boo. It's boo. It's like you and Jason. Is Bay? <laughs> uh, it's escalated to another level. The Bay uh, now. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> yes, we, sir. We got a lot of stuff out of the way this week. 
We knocked it out. We did. <sighs> There's man. We got to do. Some, we got a couple of big announcements too, though. We do. Why don't you take control of that? No, I think you. you it definitely should be you taking control. No, 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 no. It shouldn't be because. Well, I have an announcement to make, and then you can take. I, the announcement I want to make is I need to remind people that we're probably about two, maybe three weeks away from our eleven o'clockers, our annual award show. And uh, while well, I know my co-hosts are diligently at work and answering all of oh, their absolutely. choices, right now, um, uh, as I said on the Facebook group today, uh, folks be slacking a little bit this year. Oh. I think 2016 wore a lot of folks out, but remember, don't hate, celebrate. Um, we need some more submissions, and I think um, just to make clear, if you don't know, you don't have to by any means answer every nomination to participate. If you only have an opinion on your favorite superhero <laughs> book and your favorite creator, uh, Frank Miller. Those two. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can find it on our site, eleven o'clock comics dot com. There's a tab for it, or if you're Looking for the URL directly, it's tinyurl.com backslash EOC awards. But uh, yeah, you've got about another two weeks to get your submissions in, so don't be shy. Uh, the more the merrier. And uh, now I will hand it back to Vince for the, the big announcement. Yes, we have deliberated extensively. It was down to two or three. Yes? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd say three. Uh, yeah. Um, submissions in our 11 o'clock, cost, 11 o'clock Comics album art contest. And we have narrowed it down to one. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yes. And the winner, as if anybody didn't see this coming a mile away, uh, the winner of the 11 o'clock Comics album art contest is none other than Jonathan Gordon. Whoop, whoop. It is a very delicate, very intricate, and beautiful piece that yes. we are proud to call um, our album art. And thank you, Jonathan. So, whoop, whoop, like Jason said, you are the winner. And uh, get your, your vocal cords all ready because you have not only won the right to be seen each and every damn week, on iTunes and and wherever else, but well, he can stop there because yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he he he'd rather listen than talk. So he already made that, an alternative award. Wait 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 wait. Why doesn't anybody tell me these things? He doesn't because you don't read Slack. Yeah. It's it was no, no it was there. It, he doesn't uh, want to come on. Jonathan doesn't want to come on, but he no. but but he absolutely is deserving of there will some be a kind prize. of special recognition. So yeah, uh, Dash got a couple ideas, but we're gonna come up with a couple offers for him. In lieu of coming on and uh, let him pick one of those, and uh, hopefully that'll it'll be cool well, for everybody. We can't even entice him on for like ten minutes just to say, "Hey guys, you know." He, he says it, it if it's not if, his thing, if, man. If he was chosen, uh, it'd cool. be an honor just to be you know see the work every week. But he is he he's he does not like hearing himself, and he he um right. he just he, he enjoys listening to the show and and no well, from the man cool. himself. We got to honor that so. Um, I'm sure Jason and David and myself will come up with something worthy, worthy of this honor. Um, but, uh, y'all will see if you haven't already, if you're not on our Facebook page, which, uh, if you're not, why not? Or our Instagram account. Or our Instagram account and all that other stuff. Um, 
you'll see it every week and because it is a beautiful piece. What that man does with Copics is insane to it me. It is incredible. I do not have that kind of patience to do what he does. I'm not saying I can't do it, but what I'm saying is... I, oh, maybe I, we don't need one for 2018? No, no, no. He does an amazing, amazing job with with the Copics. It's it's like he's he's not even using markers. It's like he's painting. It's beautiful stuff. There mm-hmm. are, he's, he's, it's... It's not the same thing because obviously Jonathan's work is very photorealistic, but it, it reminds me of when we see, you know, Mahmoud just do things with Copics. It's just yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where you just, how do you get that marker to do that? Seriously, the color transitions yeah. are like apeshit. I can't it's even, crazy. I can't even conceive it. Um, but yeah, better him than me. I, 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 I love that kind of talent. I respect it. And he's got it in spades. So, mm-hmm. Jonathan Gordon, the winner of the 11 O'Clock Comics album art contest for 2017. Let's, uh, come Thank on. Thank you to everybody. Give it up. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, it, yeah it was, no doubt. it some, was tight. Some, it was, it, it, it was, it honest to God. Whoever your guy is, it, 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 it was tough. We, we were, we went back and forth on a couple of things. Yeah. That's the hardest part of uh, this is having to say no to other things because right. there are so many great ones. There were, and many of them would have fit the bill perfectly, but Jonathan's just went that little extra extra mile, and and he got it. So, um, as you know, as in a contest, there are no losers. Um, we we'll find something to do with the other ones. Don't don't you worry about it. Uh, mm-hmm. so, please, I guess this is the, uh, home stretch. I should take it, take yeah. it, okay, yeah. Please, solicit our sponsor because no one wants to pay more for comics than they have to, and you will not if you go to dcbservice.com, dcbservice.com, where you can get your books and everything else in the previews catalog at a fraction of the listed price, such as, Deadpool, Bad Blood, OGN. It's a hardcover. Rob Liefeld, Deadpool. I don't really have to sell this. Cover price $24.99. You're going to get it for $12.49. DC, Flintstones Trade Paperback, Volume 1. Bring it home for $8.49. And from DC and Boom, pick up the slack where David dropped it. Planet of the Apes, Green Lantern, number 1, $1.99. In your travels... I received a beautiful book for Christmas from the uh, amazing No Brow Press. It's called um, Adventures of a Japanese Businessman. It's a large, oversized mm-hmm. hardcover with spot varnish on the cover. It was written and drawn by Jose Domingo and the... Uh, carrot at the end of the stick for Mr. Wood. The introduction is written by Domingo's friend, mm-hmm. David Rubin. Yes. You know about this? I have read about this, yes. Okay. Um, I haven't read the book. I've read about the book. Alright. It is a silent comic. Mm-hmm. It's a thick-ass silent comic about exactly uh, what the title implies, The Adventures of a Japanese Businessman. The businessman enters, exit, mm-hmm. exits work one day and is involved in a ton of misadventures. There is a mob shooting. 
he runs away from it. He um, walks past a sushi stand. For some reason, the sushi, uh, the giant sushi roll that was on top of the stand breaks free, crushes a man. The, the man inhales the um, exhaust fumes from a biotechnology uh, building, and he hulks out into this huge entity, uh, which eventually wears off, finds himself in the woods. It's just, it's all done from an isometric viewpoint, top down, three quarters perspective, and the the it's the adventures that this man finds himself. He's almost run over by a truck, and the the truck driver is a woman. And she gets out, gives him CPR, takes him back to a hotel. They have mad sex. You don't see it. Uh, the woman leaves in the middle of the night crying. The Japanese businessman is alone yet again, finds himself in the courtyard uh, of an old woman's place. The man cleans up the leaves. And the woman turns him into a leaf. And the man flies away. And you see a panoramic view of Japan. But it's all done in a very clean line, beautifully colored sky, uh, style. All the color palette is constantly shifting. This is a, an amazing book, and it requires. There's a family of Bigfoots. Um, very little investment on the part of the reader, but the dividends derived from this book are. You can go back to this thing over and over and over, and definitely see things that you missed the first time around. Like, I believe it. Like one pass of this book is not nearly enough. You get and, no, it's very good, man. They don't get as much love as they. They do. don't mess around. No, no, no. And and you, you, the the panel borders are not uh, constraining because he breaks them frequently. Uh, there are a number of full page illustrations, but um, at times sequence uh, information will leak out of one panel into another. It's a great book it even goes to like hell at one point it's it's fantastic adventures of a japanese businessman uh no brow press dave uh jose domingo the cover price on this thing is only 29.99 it's it's ridiculous for the size and uh, of this thing and just a full color printing the great paper investigate this if, if if you like to you know more experimental books this is the one for you Go get it. Nice. Um, <clears throat> speaking of things that need more than one pass, is that I have I I finished, um, and I, I, I might give it a little bit. I don't want to give it a short shrift because I'm going to have to go back and reread it, kind of from the beginning. This is not a book that um, you can. I don't think you can read this book month to month and, and try to retain everything if you're reading a lot of other things. But the 12 issues of Sheriff of Babylon have been absolutely um, some of, well, we, we keep saying, oh, this is some of Tom's best work, but this is, you know, this is a little bit more um, personal because Tom had to deal with, things that were going on in Baghdad from the States from Baghdad. So, so, mm -hmm. uh, Sheriff of Babylon written by Tom King covers by Jean-Paul Lyon. And, um, uh, don't know why I made a little Frenchman there for a second, but the interiors are by Mitch Jarrods and it is a little bit of a murder mystery. 
Uh, it's very political. It is not for the, um, if you don't like, and not just, I mean, real life, but if you don't like seeing, um, out of shape people naked, stripped down and, and shitting themselves, this may not be the book for you. I love that. Uh, there's, there's interrogations, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's torture, um, there's senseless, absolutely senseless killings. Uh, it's, I don't it, love that. No, it's, I mean, it's, they're not graphic. You know, a woman comes out of, of, of her, of her camper and, you know, trigger happy army men just decide, you know, oh, she's got a gun. She doesn't have a gun, but they're going to shoot her. And, you know, there's just, there's, there's, there's that kind of just unfortunate. It's just stupid shit when you have, um, untrained people with guns and balls. So, uh, it, it takes place during 2004. You mean America? There, <laughs> right? Um, there's, uh, it, it's the, the, the hero, the, the main character is Christopher Henry. He, uh, he is an ex police officer from Florida who has, I'll say relocated. He's actually in Iraq to train the new police force that they are putting in place. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, there, there's a cast of characters, um, a supporting cast. Of characters that, uh, you may not want to get attached to, but just based on Tom's writing and, and the fact that these could be based on real people, it, it just, it, it, it makes sense for you to have a connection to them. So when something happens to them, even though you've only known them for a handful of issues, uh, it could affect you. It is, it's, like I said, it is not something that, um, you know, I have the 12 issues and, and I read them. I let, a, I'd read one, I let a couple pile up and then I'd forget, you know, what happened a couple months ago. And, and when you get to the end, it, it kind of, you know, you read the last issue, you read, actually read the 11 and 12 and everything points back to what happened in the first issue. And, and if you were not on top of it, um, it would be very easy to, Forget things. There's, there's, um, it's not a traditional superhero comic book where, you know, you get a recap page or someone's talking to the reader. There's, uh, you kind of have to pay attention. It, it reads like a murder mystery. Um, uh, Mitch's art is very fitting for this. It can be, we, we've seen Mitch's work in other things, Punisher recently, and, um, you know, he has a very distinct style where there may be, um, some SketchUp involved and, and there's, uh, there's, but because it's, it's based in real life with, with real weapons and, and real tech that the military uses, uh, it's, it, it fits. It's, it's not like it, it sticks out like a sore thumb because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it just, it, it all, it all works. Mitch uses what's available to him, uh, very effectively. Um, Agreed. but it is, it is absolutely something that, um, and I don't want to say, oh, if you enjoy Tom's vision, then you say, I just, there's, this may not be for everybody, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's, uh, it's definitely a story that, that, um, you might want to check. I'm not a big, I'm not a super huge war buff. I've seen Saving Private Ryan. I've seen Three King. I've seen, you know, I just, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't sit down and enjoy, oh, Bands of Brothers is on. Let me just, you know, kill a couple hours. I don't, uh, I'm not into that. I'm not, it, that, that, that's not my scene. So, you know, when I, when I see things like, you know, there, 
Tom is really what made me want to read this. So, um, and, and I'm, I don't know if I can say I'm glad I did, but it's definitely a strong piece of work. Um, I have Pride of Baghdad sitting above my desk here. And, you know, so I've read that. I own that. It's not something I'm going to read again. But it, this is uh, Sheriff of Babylon, I think, is something that if um, if it, it, it's if you want to get a different point of view on, on what was going on out there, um, this this might give you one idea. So I would definitely it, it's it's weird for me to kind of tell this as an in your travels, but it's it's to let you know that. You know, all twelve issues are out there. I'm sure. I, I believe it's been the first six were collected. Um, I don't. It's a vertical book, so I don't know what kind of hardcover collected treatment it's going to get. But if you can um, give it uh, give it a shot, I don't. It's. I do recommend it with high praise, but it's not something that I could. You know, it, it's not the same kind of praise where I would give. Um, you know, Watchmen or New Frontier. It, it's just. It's a different. Kind of, <laughs> Sure. Question before we move on. Best depiction of war in a creative endeavor. um, Rogue One. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, seriously. Um, that's yours. Really? No. Um. Jeez. Uh. I'd say. Um. Deer Hunter, me? Okay. David? I can respect that. Um, I don't know, man. That opening scene to Saving Private Ryan is pretty brutal. It is. I prefer Saving Ryan's Private myself, but... Of course you do. So you're going with Saving Private Ryan? I I think so, only because... I mean, it, it's... I don't... I don't have a vast recollection of... of or. Of all the, what what's yours going to be? Mash. Oh, oh, I like it. See now that's and and I don't. So maybe I, I don't know. I mean it, it's it's hilarious that you know Mash the series lasted longer than the whole damn Korean War did. But yeah, the, but the one thing about Mash is you never really saw the war. You saw right. you saw the effects of the war. And 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 mm-hmm. I probably that that should. Be my answer probably because every it does that is every day doesn't matter. It, that was something that my father watched really every day. He, he saw it when it first ran, and he saw it every time syndicated whatever channel it was on. Even if he'd probably have it so that if it finished on channel five and it was going to be on channel nine, he would. It just it, it and it doesn't matter how many times he's seen the episode. It's just something he had to see. Me too. Yeah. Whenever, it's whenever just, the yeah, final, ep- a lot of, yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Whenever the final episode is on, I can't look away. No, I, I have no. to watch it. Do you yeah. remember how bad Aftermath was? Oh, I try not. That doesn't yeah. exist. Right. <laughs> it never happened. No, no, it doesn't. No, I can, ah. I can. I'm like Dap in that respect. I can choose to pretend <laughs> that that never happened. Uh, oh, right. and, and I'm sorry, Vince. Uh, not actually before Jason goes. One last shout out because I've had this sitting here and I, I haven't finished it yet, but I was slipping through it tonight before we started recording and it is absolutely a gorgeous piece of work. Archie meets Ramones is a, it, mm. 
it is it's it's beautiful. It's probably some of Giselle's best work. It is it's it's yeah. I don't want to say it's when your travels because I haven't finished it yet. But there's there is a panel where um where uh Gary and and Z and Dee show up briefly for. It, I'm pretty sure it's them, but it it's um it'd be very easy to say it isn't. But uh no, it's it's a treat, and and of course Samantha is involved in getting. The Archies to, uh, was it 1976? So it's, it's, um, but I, <coughs> I've been, it's been here and I've been trying to, to, to throw it out there because I, I know we saw her in, in New York and, and I just, and, and I didn't have it in time to bring it to her to get it signed and I, I've been, it's, it's, it's just, I've been remiss. But in any case, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Go ahead, Jason. Uh, man, I gotta, I gotta do it again. I gotta shout it out. Issue number 25 just knocked me on my ass. Rick Remender, Wes Craig, Deadly Class. Y'all just don't know if you're not, not reading this book. I got nothing for you, man. It's, anybody who says 2016 was a shit year wasn't reading Deadly Class. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That is nice. I mean, I don't even know what to say about Wes Craig. I, I mean, I mean, he just, he's just got it, man. He's got every line he puts on the page serves a purpose. And, uh, I, you know, I've been dying to talk about the end of the first arc of the series and, and the start of the new one, but you busters still haven't caught up to it. Like it's jaw on the floor and I'm just dying to dig into it. So I wish y'all would fucking. I, I have at least the last to, issue I read was 15. So I will read 16 to 25 for next week. Oh, nice. You, uh, you don't even need to go to 25, but yeah, but, but yes, cool. I mean, if you get to the end of the next arc, that'll be just great. Thank you. I'll catch up too, which means, right. which means I have 22 issues to read. <laughs> oh I think I own 22 pages from the, from the comic. Yeah. Do you really? No, no, I own, I own four or five pages. Nah, let's make it 22. That sounds better. <laughs> cool. All right, everybody. Um, thank you for being here again with us. We uh, implore you, if you enjoyed any of this, please leave us an iTunes review or wherever you listen. And um, take care of yourself on New Year's Don't Eve. Don't forget to visit our new site. Yeah, I was getting there. Oh. Um, take care of yourself on New Year's Eve. Be careful. Go out, have fun, but drink and act responsibly, please. Because we love you and we want you back here next week. Go to our brand spanking new website, 11oclockcomics.com, because we have content available to you that is not available anywhere else but 11oclockcomics.com. David, uh, myself, and Jason are working our butts off to uh, produce some new stuff. And uh, safe to say, 2017 is going to be our year. Gangster Lean in 2017. That's right. It's it ours. Is. And rest in peace, everybody. No, for real. Yeah. But, I mean, it's hard for me to, to supersede David Bowie as in the, as far as all the people that passed in 2016, David Bowie for me should be the top. But Carrie Fisher stings. It stings yeah. so hard. I think it's, I think it's, it's, you're the Carrie Fisher of Prince for me, but then Fife Dog, but. Okay. Well, I'm not, not, I'm not going there. 
Um, no, no. I, listen, I'm not sort of trying to say Fife Dog had the cultural significance of Carrie Fisher. I'm saying me personally. Just right. That's life. exactly why I said I'm not going there because yeah. the, 2016 impacted everybody um, in a number of different ways. We yeah. lost a boatload of people, but um, this this last one, this Carrie Fisher thing. I'm not going to go into Debbie Reynolds, but I mean, she lived her life, right? She was it's, right, but but the tragedy there, right, is that she. Live just long enough to see her daughter die, and then right. the next day, yeah. right? Which was kind of bullshit. But pretty bad. Yeah, um, but Carrie Fisher kind of stings a lot. Yep. So, especially after she, you know, she had the heart attack, and then they said she was in stable exactly. condition. Yeah. Usually, heart attacks aren't fatal, but you know, if they, right. if they if they get it quick enough, so it's yeah, it's rough. So pour a little bit out to everybody we lost in 2016. Hopefully, 2017 will be a little bit better, but. I'm not optimistic with the the um, the way things are going because uh, somebody said it better than me. But the the uh, our our beloved pop icons and and pop culture icons have aged to a point where we're going to see more of them dropping off in 2017. Yeah, well, yeah, I I, I think I mean I made that point for lots of other people. That it's just we're at that age, right? Where yeah, our yeah. contemporaries, especially the people. You know, you'd, it's probably fair to say that the people that you most adore, somewhere between your own age and maybe what fifteen, twenty years older, mm-hmm. right? Like in terms of people you grew up loving, and so yeah, man, we're talking sixties and seventies now. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's all coming down. I mean, people like Tom Cruise and Mel Gibson are like in their mid fifties, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're not like, like it's crazy. Yeah. So be good to yourself. Be good to everyone else, and have a safe. And happy New Year from everybody here. And I'm not putting words in their mouth. Uh, genuinely, we we hope that the the coming year is, is uh, profitable both in in health and and uh, everything else for you. So come back. Ready? Yes. And as always, say good night. David. Good night. Yeah, David. <laughs> you love when I give you a little a little touchstone, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I yeah. do. I put that in there specifically so you nail it every week. Yes, we are. All right, we're done here. Go, people. Go have fun, and we'll be back here next week. Go with God. Just go. I just there is. I'll 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 tell the listeners next week, but I'll tell you guys when we're done tonight. What I'm definitely going to read in 2017. Okay. Hmm. The Bible? <laughs> what? I, I love fiction. So yeah, God. really. <laughs> Why don't you just read the Ring Trilogy instead? It's better written. It's allegory, David. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I watched The Hobbit, um, Battle of the Five Armies. Oh, finally. Finally. Yes. It's amazing how much mileage he got out of one oh, friggin' book. I know. Was that like one chapter of the book? Uh, yeah, I thought it was great, but you know, oh, I did too. But what gets me is the um, is uh, the song that um, they brought back uh, Pippin to sing at the end over the credits. Yeah, that was a little weird. I agree. Still a good movie, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Go, have fun, people, and we'll be back next week because we love you so much. Go have fun. We love you. And be safe. 
Bye. Bye. Peace out. If you don't know, now you know. Say bye. I don't say bye, David. Just say bye. Bye. Just bye. Just go. Stay warm. Drink something. Have fun. I like that.